Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is a uh, special episode of A Minor Detail. My name is Ryan Miner, and Eric Beasley is... We're in studio together, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually here for once, instead of having that terrible Skype connection that I'm used to. Eric, Eric drove all the way to North Potomac this evening, and I'm impressed because, one, he found a parking spot in front of our townhome. <laughs> There's never any parking, because our neighbors always take up our spots. But, uh, two, he, he made it here and uh, escaped Frederick County for the uh, for Montgomery County. The urban sprawl of madness. Like, hold yeah. I hit every stoplight off of 270. Like, forget fixing 270. Fix everything else around it first. Well, you know, we're tonight is um, it's a somber moment for all of us, uh, but we're going to make it a, a happy time because we're going to remember our friend, our dearly departed friend, the legend himself, the Prince of Darkness, who passed away on Friday afternoon at the very young age of 57. So in honor of Joe, Eric is vaping. Of course, uh, that's all I do, yeah. And we're, we're drinking, and we have on our, on our table, um, uh, <laughs> Kirby DeLauder is supposed to, he, I'm sorry, I have to tell Kirby that he is not going to call in tonight. Um, okay. Well, so, uh, yeah, we have a nice little spread here. I brought, I brought maker's mark because I just don't trust the, I, I don't, I don't trust you with alcohol decisions. I don't trust anybody with alcohol decisions. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Ryan's got some gin over here, cigars and vapes. And we figured, you know what, like that's exactly the sort of thing that Joe would do himself. I would, like, you know, every time we interviewed him or he called in, I could just imagine him like sitting back in his office chair with a big old stiff drink of, you know, a Jim Beam Devil's Cut and, uh, you, know, um, you know, calling in and causing trouble as usual. Well, we're going to do, like I said, we'll do a special episode tonight. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been hard for everyone. It's been very difficult. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what else there is to say. It's just we're heartbroken. This was unexpected, and he was our friend, and he made our lives entertaining. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was beloved. This man was an encyclopedia of political knowledge in Maryland, and there's there's really nobody quite like Joe Stefan out there, um, and he will be sadly missed. So bear with me. Um, yeah, Joe is originally from Reisterstown, and after college, he graduated. He bounced around from odd job to odd, odd job, and then he joined the National Conservative Political Action Committee. And based upon something that he wrote in the Reisterstown Community Times, he got a job as press secretary at age 23. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at 23. That's slick. He worked in politics in Virginia and did a couple of campaigns, and then he moved back to Maryland. Uh, he worked for Linda Chavez in 1986, and as he described it, he worked for Linda when she ran against that midget, Barbara Mikulski. <laughs> she she does actually resemble a troll. She is a, a tiny person. Um, and then in 1986, Joe Stefan met Bob Ehrlich, and he liked him. He started to help him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he met Bob during his first delegate race. And look, 1986, I was I – was, um, one year old. I was I was 
I don't think I was crawling yet, actually, because I was born in 86. So most likely this was, uh, yeah, <laughs> Joe was already recruiting candidates when we were, uh, uh, we weren't talking yet. So when he was looking, working for Linda Chavez, he told me that he was leaking information to Bob Ehrlich. And he said at the time that it really, it was hurting Ellen Sauerbrae because she ran for governor. Um, and he, he told Ehrlich, he said to step up and run for the congressional seat in 1994. Of course, that's when Helen Bentley um, was in that district, that Baltimore district, mm -hmm. and uh, she decided to run against Ellen Sauerbrey in the Republican primary. That was a bitter, brutal primary, Aaron. Yes. Uh, I mean, think about how you know politics is nasty with social media around, but I can't imagine what a brutal campaign would look like in '94. And uh, you know, obviously that tells you where uh, Joe got his chops in. Uh, um, in campaign tactics. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he told Bob Ehrlich to step up and run for Congress. So he, as Joe tell, as he told the story, he met up. He met up with Bob Ehrlich at a place in Dundalk called Minnick's Restaurant, and he won against his opponent Gary Brewster, who was a moderate leaning Democrat, as Joe described, mm -hmm. um, and won the the general election, and then ultimately became a congressman. And, you know, I asked Joe, I said, what was it that initially attracted you to Governor Ehrlich at the time, Congressman Ehrlich? And he said, well, I, I believe that he would go places, that he worked really hard. He was engaging when he met him at the door, and he just felt a connection with Bob. And he said that Bob won his first delegate race, like 25 to 30 votes, um, wow. And when Joe was introducing himself, I did an interview with Joe back in 2015, and it was a one-hour special with the Prince of Darkness. And it was one of the finest interviews that I've ever done because Joe gives you so much content. Mm -hmm. He's so elaborative, uh, and he has so much energy and passion, and he, like I said, he is a wealth of knowledge, and there's nobody quite like him. And the way he interviews, it's just so honest and transparent, and he just says what's on his mind. And I just remember Joe saying one thing to me that really stuck around, and he said, I've, I've been around ever since, and I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And, of course, Joe left us on Friday. Um, you know, he was a legend in politics, Eric. He was a legend. Um, well, any, anybody in, involved in Maryland politics, period, know who this guy was. Okay, everything that he said, somebody had paid attention to. I mean, geez, he he's gone. He went through like three, four, five different blogs, uh, creating content up there. You know, it was all like, you know, he, he if you remember, remember, um, he was telling the story a couple months ago about how he he had half jokingly said he was going to try to primary Larry Hogan in the governor race. I don't think he was joking. I I, I think he might have been serious too. I'm really not sure. However. He put that blog – he started Facebooking about to put that blog post up, and like pollsters started calling him and campaign strategists and fundraisers. Like people – you know, people saw like you know a couple of lines posted on a social media site, and they were like, oh, man, Joe Steffens is going to run. Like so like that's the sort of like audience that this guy had like has captivated around in this state for a while. Joe's social media, his Facebook page especially, was a terminal of – of madness and there was <laughs> yeah. and Joe kept it fresh he knew how to keep people paying attention to what he was saying based upon his quirky way that he 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 wrote and yeah. every no, okay hold on hold on. so speaking of that this is 
Why does he? Why does he always have to capitalize the first I, letter of every word? I don't know. On a Facebook post. He didn't do it anywhere else. Just when he made the status, like he, if he ever, whenever he commented, he didn't capitalize everything. When he did the main post, it was always capitalized. You know, today's "Get Your Ass in Gear" song. It was always all capitalized, first letters. And it was like, <laughs> you know, I, I remember. I've, I've been wondering, like. It's like of all things, I really wonder. Is it was it stylistic? Was it just to annoy people like me that were OCD? Like what was it? I never, I never quite understood it. But I, I asked Joe to explain to to our audience at that point when I interviewed him to help me understand what whatever got him interested and how did he evolve into the legend that he is and was at that time and and now that he's gone. Um, there will be a enduring mystique around him, and anybody, young guys like us who like politics, who are involved in campaigns, who are operatives, I guess in a sense. Um, and what and you know what we do, we we find out information and we use it. And we'll I'll talk a little bit about Joe's theory on that. But he said that he was originally drawn to politics because Ronald Reagan drew him in. Uh, he was a huge fan. Um, and then in 1978, Joe talked about how Phil Crane was running for president and he got out of the race um, and that he's sort of had a fascination with politics going back to Watergate. And, you know, Joe said he was a young guy at that time and he was like 15 when Nixon resigned and he he kept his eyes and uh, ears and uh, on the uh, you know on politics, and he he just kind of fell in love with the process. He told me something interesting in 1976. Joe Stefan he admitted this that he was a big Jimmy Carter fan because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Southern drawl. He said the oh, Southern drawl, yes. uh, which yeah. And then in 1978, the the Panama he said the Panama Canal treaties went up and it drew him to the conservative movement, and ever since then. He hasn't looked back. Everybody has that tipping point, especially when yeah. you're a kid, like, you know, and so apparently, you know, honestly, I'll tell you, honestly, I have no idea what the Panama Canal treaties were, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to go do some homework when I get home. <laughs> I, I, we should do the Googles. The Googles? The Googles. Let me check the Googles. The do, do the, the Googles. Internet, yeah. Um, and Joe had said that he's, he was, been, he was involved in several high risk gambits and he has a different viewpoint now than he once did. We all go through that, don't we, Eric? I mean, we change our viewpoint based upon our personal experiences and Joe had several of those. Um, and, you know, he loved it and he said it's in his blood until he's gone. And, uh, okay, the, the treaties were, we handed the uh, Panama Canal over to the government of Panama right. and basically signed them over. Um, apparently Joe didn't like that very much. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he decided on Ronald Reagan back in 1980. And I think that was a big conversion for many people in politics. I know my grandparents, they've been lifelong Democrats and they still are to this day. And they're, uh, 84 and 91 respectively. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that they voted for Reagan. In fact, I talked to my grandfather yesterday when I saw him and we talked, we just get into these long conversations about past politicians that he's liked. And my grandfather said, you know, I always liked Ronald Reagan and, you know, he kind of votes for the person rather than the party, which I think most Americans do that. Um, and you know, how do you describe Joe? He was incredibly complex, but delightfully unique. Yeah, I mean, he was a complex person. Yeah, he. I mean, he was he was far from a, a party line, you know, like like staunch Republican in any way, shape, or form. But I think if you know, he hated the Democrats. 
oh, just he, as much as he hated some Republicans. What was his nickname for President Obama? Um, I think it was Obama. <laughs> I think it was Borat. Or Borat, yeah. He called him Borat. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and you know, this is what this is what's great about it. Okay, so like. Most people, you know, you see the whole like, you know, a bummer is a is a Muslim, and you see kind of stuff like that. But it's like when the way that Joe would phrase, like, you know, any time he talked about Borat, was basically like you could tell that it was just that I hate this guy's policies; they are terrible, and I'm gonna call him Borat. It's a nice like all the time. <laughs> I don't know where he got the Borat from, but I can only imagine, which is just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. And Joe, you're right. He he did not like the Democrats, and he often called BS and bullshit on people that yeah, – he, he sort of exposed a lot of the hypocrisy between the parties. Um, and you know, Joe's the first person that I ever saw write O'Malley, like O-W-E-L-E, oh, yeah, and then Malley. That's pretty like, funny. I'd never seen that before until I saw something Joe wrote. Yeah, well, you know, and we talked about in our interview that I had with Joe – he was a political operative. Operative, he was. He yeah. he grew up in the era um, where, as he explained it, that if he could find that one piece of information to destroy the other side, he would exploit it to the tenth degree. <laughs> and he said that, but there wasn't a lot of people at the time that he got into politics, especially in the Republican Party, that would go out the other way and do the nasty, more unquestionable. So he didn't have underbelly of politics. He, he didn't have the context. So well, he, and he said he never had a problem doing those things. He loved it. That was who he was. He he found the information on people, and and just exploited it. And and that's what operatives do when you find negative shit on your opponent. Mm-hmm. You go out, you find somebody to release it, you shop it to a media outlet, and you it show no mercy. That's just yeah. how politics are. It's rough and tumble, and Joe believed that, and I brought up that I'm a big fan of the the departed Lee Atwater, and Joe said he loved Lee Atwater and that he thought of him as a demigod. <laughs> he said, I, I just absolutely love the guy, and he said the real stuff that goes on in campaigns is never seen, um, and unless you're part of it, you just don't know. And it's true. It's true. Yeah, you and I have both been part of campaigns. We've run our own campaigns. We have, and we we see the sort of stuff that that goes on behind the scenes. And some of it's really good. Some of it's really bad. <laughs> we we know what happens in campaigns. Yeah. And, and and Joe knew that. And when you want something done that you may not be willing to do yourself, when Joe was a political operative, that's who you would bring in. Yep. You you, you always have to. You you want that degree of separation. You yeah. want that a uh, you know patsy for. Lack of a better word, but but Joe was a willing patsy. He was a willing patsy. He had no problem with it. Like he would, ra- he'd rather he'd rather take the big W, and then like not get in trouble. He he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I when I the last time I saw Joe um, in person, I think it was last year in April. We were standing at the uh, the spring convention. Mm-hmm. In Frederick, no, it was not Frederick. It was, I think it was in Annapolis. And Joe and I hung out throughout the day. We were watching the proceedings of who was going to be elected to the delegates to the national convention. Joe, Stefan, and I stood off to the side, and you know we were side chatting and talking. And Joe was always famous for 
going to these parties on Friday nights, and he would bounce around to the different convention suites when the mm-hmm. when the Maryland's Republican Party, and he was he's a fixture in Maryland politics. Now that's to the chagrin of many people. A lot of the people in the establishment of Maryland politics either had a falling out with Joe at one time or on the opposite side of issues. I'm saying they're, they're worried about what he knows about them. Of course, and Joe Joe had people on the edge of their seat all the time because he would imply and with innuendo on his Facebook page, <laughs> and, and he would put out things that you did, had no idea what the hell he was talking about, and he always thought – is he talking about me? I mean, yeah. The only person that knew who he was talking about was the person he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they knew. Yeah, and they knew. And you know, he and and I, I he's the kind of guy that would make sure that they saw it and that they knew what had happened. But yeah. uh, you know, I think you know, I think the last time I saw Joe, I believe I ran across him really briefly at the uh, Rand Paul fundraiser in uh, um, in Baltimore County. Back, God, when was it? That was like. That's 2015. That was, or that was like, that was like fall 2015. And uh, I ran across, I, and I, uh, you know, bullshit with him for a few minutes while we were uh, watching the, uh, you know, the guy who should be president talk. <laughs> yeah, Joe was, Joe over the years, he was conservative, and but Joe has really drifted over to the politics. Yeah, I don't want to get into a philosophical debate tonight. This is not about that, but. He did. He was definitely a libertarian. Oh yeah, yeah. he was. De- he was. You know, there. You know, you know, you're a libertarian when half the time somebody asks you about an issue and you just say, "I don't give a shit." Mm-hmm. Like that. That's like that's like hallmark right there. Yeah. Like I just I I don't care. You know that that and that's how you know that's how he operated. Yeah. He was great. You know, Joe has had many interesting political experiences, but none more than what he describes as being blown up. Um, he consistently refers to this um, event in his life called being blown up. Of course, he was referring to his time spent working for Bob Ehrlich oh, and, yeah. and the governor. Uh, made him the most infamous. <laughs> made him the most infamous, and we'll get to that. Um, and he he made a point of saying that he at the time he was blown up, and he talked about how it all went down, and he said, I refuse to turn on, on his friends. And he didn't know what was going to happen to him legally. And he said that in the interview, and you can go back and listen to that, and we'll post that um, after this show, uh, that he knew that 20, 30, 40 people he had dirt on, and they were all worried about what he was going to do after he got blown up. And we'll explain what that means in a bit. Um, and he made a point to say that he got to know Larry Hogan really well as a paid member of Ehrlich's transition team. So when Ehrlich won against Kathleen Kennedy Townsend in 2002, Joe was working for Bob. Um, he had worked for Bob when he was a congressman, mm-hmm. um, and he became a member of Ehrlich's administration back in, um, I guess, it's beginning in 2003. Yeah. Incidentally, I was a high school senior. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, uh, and I couldn't even vote. I was... I couldn't even vote then. I was 17. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I was uh But at that time I didn't give a shit about politics. Yeah, no, I nobody did. No. Nobody does at that age. Oh, I, I had this one guy in my class that I know Joe St- Joe Stephan would have definitely made fun of this guy if he knew him. Uh that just loved politics and he was a huge democrat and cuz I think his dad was a labor union guy. Uh-huh. And so he used to come in my AP World History class every day my senior year. Sorry, it was AP US History. And try to recruit all the people in there to go out and help Kathleen Kennedy Townsend and knock doors and do and <laughs> and I always knew my family were sort of like kind of not political at all. Yeah. And 
all of us were sitting in there and we're like, uh, you're doing that and we're going to go out and chase some girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Priorities. Right. 15 year old priorities right yeah, there. Right. So, um, you know, and he said that there was, and Joe went and going back to Joe, our interview with Joe, um, he said there was one time when Bob was running for Congress and this is how he developed his nickname, the Prince of Darkness. Oh, and this yes. is a good story. But the, the origin story. So got to have those. And he said it's really uncinematic in the way Joe told it, that he was um, meeting, he had a campaign meeting the day before election day at the Lutherville campaign office in Baltimore. And the meeting was supposed to start at 8 o'clock p.m. Joe arrived a half an hour later at around 8.30, and he was wearing this dark suit. And then he walked downstairs into the basement where the meeting was held, and then early had said, oh, look, there comes the Prince of Darkness. He's arrived. The Prince of Darkness <laughs> yeah. has arrived. And like you said, Joe was wearing this dark suit, and he accredits Bob Ehrlich for naming him the Prince of Darkness, and it stuck. Yeah. And it really took hold when he became part of the administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he – there was always these rumors. Like I said, there was a mystique around Joe when he worked in the governor's man uh, for, the, for the executive office there. Um, he said that you know he had no authority to fire anybody uh, because the rumor was is that he walked around wearing a black trench coat, and he said that um, – he says, yeah, I had a trench coat. He goes, everybody in the freaking 90s had a trench coat. Yeah, yeah that, that was like you – know, and if it was flannel, it just meant that you were like a Nirvana flan- fan. I mean mm-hmm. that's – yeah, everybody in the 90s had a trench coat. Mm. Well, he said that he had a trench coat. In the 90s, <laughs> and, and I guess apparently into the 2000s. Um, well, if it's a good trench coat, why bother getting rid of it? Well, he said know? this was long before the trench coat mafia became popularized. <laughs> yeah. So this is long before any of that crazy shit went down. Um, and so he said he started working for Governor Ehrlich. For, um, I think he said he worked for Al Redmar, who is now the insurance commissioner and was in a, a similar position before. and I think maybe in the same position. Um and he said, yeah, I worked as a governor's finance office. He goes, who wants that job? It was boring. So he decided that yeah, he wasn't going to work at that office forever. So he had a conversation with Steve Krzyzewski, which was Ehrlich's former chief of staff, and then they had a discussion. And so they were, he was going to be sent over to a, a, a separate government agency. And, um, and then as the story goes, that people inside of that agency started asking Joe who should be – Fired. You know, how can we get rid of certain people in government that we don't need that are superfluous or that are considered wasteful spending? And so Joe said that, yeah, he started giving them a few names on occasion. Um, that and that's sort of how that culture around him. So he became Bob and Bob. Yeah, exactly. Because because he was asked to to talk about efficient government. Mm-hmm. Well, so he said that. Joe said that you know, at the time of this, Larry Hogan was in his very first few months of this interview when we did it, when, when Joe and I talked on, on the air, and he said, you know, look, if Larry Hogan is not doing the same thing right now with his people, then he's wrong. And he said he's just wrong. Um, and then you know, he went on to talk about this situation where uh, he – something went down with O'Malley that um, there was some rumors that – Joe had been part of this underground um, 
media effort to spread rumors that Ehrlich had an, an affair. You mean Ehrlich or O'Malley? I'm sorry, O'Malley had an affair because at the time – O'Malley was considering running for office. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the mayor of Baltimore back then. And uh, he said that um, the rumors are that – and then the rumor came about that he was sacked, that Joe was sacked from the early administrations for spreading these rumors about, like I said, O'Malley having this extramarital affair. Um, and then Joe made the point of saying that he thought he could fight you know the the process of being fired, and that um, he did, but he didn't. And he said, you know, what happens if somebody is innocent? Nobody's going to care. Yeah, the story already came out that you know Ehrlich Stafford spreading these rumors, you know, blah blah. It ain't going to matter if he didn't do it or not. Here's what Joe told me that he said directly to Bob Ehrlich as Governor Ehrlich mm-hmm. at the time. He said, "Attack O'Malley, but leave his personal life alone." And he said, "Don't go after." O'Malley's personal life, mm-hmm. whatever that means, and I, I, I believe that. I think Joe um, is not. I don't think he would spread those malicious rumors. I mean, I think he would do other unsavory things, but not affect someone's family. Yeah. I mean, this guy's and, a father, and uh, I, he has three wonderful daughters. Yeah, and, and I, I can tell you from personal experience because I've actually brought some uh, um, personal issues with politicians in Maryland to Joe's attention before. Mm-hmm. And his response was, nope, I don't care. Because yeah. it's it's personal stuff. It's not going to affect their office. Now, he was like, they were doing it on government time or spending government money to do it. Yeah, then sure. Game on. But no, he... I, so, you know, after that conversation I had with him, to me, that kind of solidifies, you know, the fact of basically the events surrounding this. I mean, as we said earlier, you know, he was a patsy. Um, he was a willing patsy in many occasions, and I think this is this is one of those. You know, sometimes you do have to fall on the sword. Um, you know, especially when you're working in politics, when you're a volunteer in politics. If you're listening to the show now, and I hope you are, um, this is not a sad occasion. Although we are deeply sad, and and we are, it, it, this is affect us is going to affect us all in very different ways. And I know that I've been. Gloomy. Kim and I have been gloomy. I mean, Eric and I talked offline about this a lot, and it's just it's it's just really hard to believe. And I don't think we've quite processed wh- what has happened. I'm just sort of in shock, Eric. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When I found out about it, I I texted Kim, and we exchanged Facebook messages with um, other close and mutual friends of Joe. And uh, yeah, it's just been. I, I, who would have thought? I mean, this is a guy that every day would post something unique and on Facebook and he was very still active and engaged with the political process. And we looked for, I look forward to reading Joe's material. I mean, I didn't <laughs> yes. agree with some of it um, lately because he was on the Trump kick, uh, yeah. but, but I still had a tremendous respect. For I mean, him. but let's be fair. He was right. On what? I don't know if you remember the, 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 our show right before the general election. Oh yeah. He said, David Bossy is the man. And if Trump brought oh, yeah. David Bossy on, Trump's going to win this election. Yeah. And look what happened. Well, Joe was told you and I both were like, there's nah. no way. We were just like, there's no way this is done. You know, and Joe was still right there sticking to his guns. And he was right. Well, I want people to know that Joe was a frequent guest host of this show. Oh, yeah. He'd come on. A, yeah, he'd come on. It was great. I mean, Joe would call in and we would have a blast. And yeah. we 
Joe would would be the third wheel with us, and that's what we're really going to miss is because we didn't know when Joe was going to call in, but sometimes it was the very beginning of the show, and we're like, oh, well, shoot, we'll just keep him on for the entire show. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it can only add to our listenership. And it's, his, well, it's Joe. You don't want to get fired for kicking him off too soon. No. Know? <laughs> but if you are listening now um, and you want to call in and share a memory or just talk about your relationship with Joe and some – funny stories um you can call in and dial in at 646-716-5971 eric and i are controlling the board and we love to to talk and just just have a conversation we'd love to hear from you shit well, honestly you know because you know I've been, I've been through this a couple of times with some very close friends and it happens uh, happened a lot in my line of work and honestly i'd like to hear the good i prefer to hear the good stuff Okay, you know, like I'm there was a, you know, Joe's a very interesting character and everybody had some sort of interaction with him, whether good or bad. But, uh, you know, like this is, you know, there is it's it's a time to you, you, you have to I like the it's the Irish wake theory. Okay. You don't sit you don't sit around and mope, but no, you, you have, drink. Yeah, you drink and you remember the good things that happened. That's the, that's the important part. That's how you get through this stuff. Well, I got to tell you, Joe was not the guy you want to get on the bad side of. No, he was not. <laughs> he would he would make your life a living hell. And I've been on the bad side of Joe. Um, back in 2013, him and I had some some issues back then, and I didn't quite understand it at the time, but we 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 did work through them. But our friend Don Murphy. Um, said that you never want to be on the opposite. You, know, you you can be on opposite ends of Joe, but it's better not to be. <laughs> yeah, you can you well you can disagree with him on something that's a personal opinion, right? But don't cross him. <laughs> you don't you don't. And and he had this like I said this certain element of mystique, and he was a mysterious guy. Uh, and you don't want to you never really kind of understood what he was talking about on Facebook, but he. Uh, <laughs> He, he did kind of scare you at times, right? Yeah, like holy. I mean, I couldn't imagine, like, this. I mean, the stuff that this guy still was was holding on to and not telling people. I mean, geez, he probably could. He could probably force half of Annapolis to resign. Well, he did say in our interview that I had with him um, that there will be things that he'll go to his grave with, mm -hmm. and it's true. There will be. I mean, that's he was an operative, operative, and he there will be things that, of course, that Joe Stefan will. Take to his grave, and I'm I'm sure he's. Look, I'm sure Joe's looking down right now. And before we began this show, I, I'm sure he thought, you know what, guys, um, I don't want you to wallow over me. Seriously, don't do that. I don't think he would want the tears. I don't think he would. I don't think he was that kind of guy. I, I just I don't. I think that Joe want. I I think Joe would want people to remember him by who he was. The, the, the times that he was most alive, um, his sense of humor, the way that he sort of had this unfiltered aspect about his personality, and it was raw. It was real. It was real. And you know, one of the the funniest things that Joe has ever done is make fun of certain people, right? <laughs> right? Oh, yes, cer yes, certain people. Certain people. Yes. And he would nickname he would he would give them nicknames. Well, you know, and nicknames in politics stick really well. Yeah. I know this right. from personal experience. <laughs> so I don't ever know how it happened, but oh, <laughs> I asked him during the interview that um, 
he said something about um, he he got into he got into like a dispute with with that other with that guy with that guy yeah and the other network okay that shall go unmentioned and he said that they were so talentless um, and that he's been in politics since 1980 right he said. And I'll just we'll mention them once. No, we, no, we're not. We can't. Everybody knows who it is. Okay. okay. He said they are the two least talented people that he's ever met. And he's and, I, and you could go back and listen to the interview. He said they may think I hate them. I don't hate either one of them. I don't care. He said this is just in fun. It's to poke them a little bit. He goes those guys aren't even smart enough to know how to do a feud. He said <laughs> yeah. he goes they just aren't worth it to me. He yeah. goes they're so talentless. Mm-hmm. And I remember that on their own show, you know, they they referred to Joe as um, an angry old washed up drunk that couldn't do, you know, that has lost his flavor, and that he's, and and this is coming from a guy that he nicknamed Kim Gray. <laughs> <laughs> he called him Kim Gray Clyde. I know. Yeah. And he called he called the little fellow a little guy, yep. and he used to post these most obnoxious pictures of you know nerdy looking guys. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, just to sort of bite back at at, at these people in jo- in the Joe Stefan way, and whenever he would do this, I would just laugh out loud because it was so funny. You could well, just see, and it, and it was random. You never knew when you were gonna get it. Okay, it was like it was always a surprise when it happened, and it's like, and but it was just so you know. It's it, it's just it's apathy. Like that that's the best part. Yeah. Is Joe was so apathetic. He just did it. Like an operative, he just did it because it was entertaining. Like it's there's no you know, per, I mean the personal grudge and malice was not coming from him. I mean Joe's Facebook page was a circus. Yep. And he was the ringleader, mm-hmm. and he was sitting back, you know, throughout the day. I loved his get get your ass in gear songs, right? And I would play some of those songs. You know, Joe, and it would always pop up around what, like ten thirty, eleven thirty. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I could picture Joe kind of just waking up, grabbing a cup of coffee. And uh, sitting around, shooting the breeze, and look, he was a self-employed guy. I think he was, you know, and he was a one hell of an author. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Eric, you know, he wrote uh, what two, three books? I think he wrote two. Um, I th- I think it was supposed to be. A, I know he wrote two for sure. I don't know if he finished the third one or not. Wow. Uh, I in full disclosure, I haven't read his books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have. I haven't either. I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> when you're in college, you don't have a lot of time to read. Well. That and I think they were like thriller, horror, sort of like romance, horror, kind of. I don't know. Yeah, like vampires and some other stuff. I mean, he's yeah. a hell of a writer. Yeah. He really could write. I mean, he's he was such a talented but, person. But, you know, honestly, I want to buy the books just because I want to see if he capitalizes every word in his books, too. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Like, <laughs> well, like I said, if you're listening in and you want to call and talk about Joe, and it's okay if you don't, because this is, you know, it's tough. And uh, But our, our phone number to our show is. Area code six four six seven one six five nine seven one, and we'll patch you in, and we'll have it. We'll, we'll remember our friend Joe Stefan. Um, so Joe was talking about that he, the, the the night that he resigned, he 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 offered his resignation um, after after everything kind of came out and came down the pike. Um, and he said Matt Mock of the Washington Post interviewed him, and then he spoke to he spoke with this guy named Paul Shurek who worked for Ehrlich, and he and Joe said he offered to write his resignation letter after all this 
shit came out about O'Malley having an affair, and they pinpointed it back to Joe somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that you know he knew the way that these stories worked. You know the inevitable outcome of of what happens. You know you got to step yeah. away because it could it could potentially anything that could potentially damage the governor. Um, and when you are behind the scenes and you're responsible for it, you have to go. Mm-hmm. It's politics, yeah. and Joe understood that. So, um, you know, he said he thought he could fight it, but he just didn't. Um, so, he, he, Joe said that the way that it went down is he was told not to resign, and he said Paul Shirk. He called the governor, and Bob told Paul, "Don't worry about anything." You'll be taken care of. Um, and, of course, Joe wrote his resignation letter later that night and faxed it, and Bob came back and said, well, everything is fine, but I need your resignation letter, which everything was not. <laughs> clearly, everything wasn't fine, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so um, then he came back. He cleaned out his, neck, his, his desk the next day, and he said he was never escorted out, that he casually came in the next day and cleaned out his stuff and, and was gone. Well, would you want to escort him? I mean, think about it. <laughs> I would have wanted, yeah. In a trench coat? Probably came in his trench coat. You know, he probably had, like, a fedora or something, you know. Like, <laughs> he probably, like, rolled in there and, like, you know, the, the, the crowd's part in his presence. <laughs> well, you know, he's, he said he doesn't blame Ehrlich or the administration in the least, but he said the only thing that really pissed him off about him leaving Ehrlich's administration and what he calls being blown up and sacked by the governor's office is that don't guarantee promises, don't worry about a thing, unless you can back it up, unless you're going to hold true to that. Um, and he said they just never did jack shit. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. I mean, verbatim, that's what he said. Um, so I asked him, you know, when's the last time you spoke to Bob Ehrlich? And he says, <laughs> well, I haven't spoke to Bob Ehrlich since then. And he said, I don't even know if Bob would still talk to him. And he says he really likes Bob, but Bob Ehrlich never had a spine. He was so wishy-washy, and he didn't understand why he just didn't stand up. And (laughs) Joe went on to say at the time of the interview, this was well before any of the presidential elections were – Oh, yeah, yeah. this was before that whole fiasco happened. Yeah, before the 2016 mess of an election Mm -hmm. occurred. And he said, you know, Bob's really going off the deep end by thinking about (laughs) – <laughs> he's going to run for president. And he's like, he kind of went off on a, Joe went off on a brief tangent um, and said, you know, what is this guy thinking? And he said that, uh, you know, he got destroyed in 2010. He lost in 2006. And he just, and Joe said this, and this is important. He said, Bob Early couldn't handle the fact that Larry Hogan, who used to work for him, got, just got elected governor. And Bob couldn't handle that. He wasn't. He was no longer the top Republican in Maryland. <laughs> He's like he just he couldn't personally handle that or yeah, deal but, with that. But come on, let's be fair. Being the top Republican in Maryland is kind of like being the you know, that's not exactly a prestigious award. That's like no. winning your second grade spelling bee. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's like twelve of us. Well, <laughs> I mean, the top Republican in Maryland now is Larry. Now, yeah, now it is because who's the second most important Republican? Boyd. I, you know, so it depends on your definition of important. Like, as far as, like, actually impacting, like, the day-to-day, basically, as far as impacting and influencing more people in Maryland to vote Republican, I would say Boyd's number two. Yeah, I mean, from the 
the structure point of view, yeah. But no, but even from the the effectiveness, if the goal of the Republican Party is to elect more Republicans, and the person who can convince the most independents and Democrats to vote for a Republican, then I'd say Hogan and Boyd are number one and two right there. Yeah. They're the ones that are doing the most work to kind of to, to spread that message and let people see what a Republican government looks like. And then behind the scenes, that's where you gauge who's really has the year of the governor, and those mm-hmm. folks are extremely important and vital. Yep, you know, the guy that the governor calls in the case of an emergency, that's who has real power. I know, I've heard his name before, but I can't remember it right Steve now. Steve Krim? That's it. That's who I've heard. Yeah. I don't think Steve Krim is working for the governor anymore. But that, that's better. That means that he's even more valuable to the governor. Well, yeah. That I mean, means if he, that he can he, – he's, there's plausible deniability there. I mean – I, would, I wouldn't want my right-hand man working for me. No, you don't. That's I the mean, point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's always that, like, you know, there's the low-level staffer who's going to take the fall. Mm-hmm. If something goes, goes bad, and you don't want that. You, don't want, you want the image of being sque- squeaky clean in yep. public office. I'd rather blame it on some random dude than, you know, like, that so, I don't even know. So here's the thing. Um, Joe is, is quite a character, and he made no bones about it that he wasn't Larry Hogan's biggest fan. Oh no, no. He, what do you he, think that was all about? That was you know, interesting. I don't know. You know, I half of me thinks it was just him trolling. Okay, like I mean, because you know, this he it same thing with uh, you know that uh, um, you know same thing with the NSA blog. I mean, same mm-hmm. same thing with all of them. Like he was just poking fun at people, and I think that his whole like you know. Um, I mean, I think he was legitimate in his policy disagreements with Hogan because I mean he was right. You know, Hogan has is has you know spent the most money of any Republican sure. governor because of course you know mandated spending and everything. But I mean, none of that was incorrect. However, like I think he was just trying to stir the pot because everybody, you know, a lot of people in this state have complained constantly about Larry Hogan not doing certain things they believe a Republican should do. Gun rights is a perfect example. And, you know, there's a lot of people that complain that Larry Hogan hasn't acted on gun rights. And he could, but he won't do it. And so I think – But do you what, think that he would – not to get off, but I think Joe was making the point that you better take advantage now, and he has the popularity to do it. Mm-hmm. But it would, would it so diminish his popularity if, if Larry went out and took a hard stand and, um, you know, our, our, our good friend James Gross – Talks about this a lot. You know, oh yeah, the concealed carry. Yeah, it's something that we both, that you and I both um, support and agree upon. It's not my number one issue, and I think that's fair to say. But that doesn't mean that I have any less passion about it. It's just not my number one issue. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, my number one issue is getting rid of the waste and fraud and abuse in the government. And um, yeah, I want to fund. Go- I want to disband the government and fund all services through GoFundMe. Yeah, oh. that's what I want to do. I think that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I just say it. But no, no, no. You know, the ideal government is one man sitting in a room deciding who to nuke, and he's chosen based on an intelligence and a physical trial, something like a decathlon. That sounds like Ron Swanson. It is Ron Swanson. That's, that's Ron right. Swanson. That's Ron Swanson. Yes. <laughs> For Parks and Recreation. Yes. I love that guy. My that, hero. Is, that is my hero. Yes. And I remember Ron Swanson, and Joe and I had talked about this. Um, that Rod Swanson was like, I would love to sit back and watch this happen while eating a bag of pork cracklings. <laughs> so, I think you misheard me. I want all of your eggs and bacon, not some, all of them. <laughs> He's like, and then the scene where 
the mother comes in and said, my daughter wrote this paper about why government matters, and she wrote, it doesn't. And he goes, <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, he's like, it was, I, I've been doing that to my friend's kids. Oh, yeah. I'll you? admit it, yeah. Yeah. You should see my, my friend, uh, my friend Laura, every once in a while she'll send me pictures of the homework that uh, her son Alex does. Yeah. And it's always stuff like that. Like, he, he was talking um, – Whenever it comes to some sort of liberty issue, he's always like, "Why is the government even doing this? Why does the government care?" It's uh, it's amazing. I love it. Um, you know, and and, and this is important. Um, Joe was a father. I believe three. He has his three daughters. Yeah, three daughters. Yeah, I believe he had a stepdaughter as well. Mm-hmm. And he loved. I mean, he just loved his family so much. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, I, I'm, my heart goes out to. Um, his three daughters, and I know that this is a, a really tough time for them uh, now, and and it, it, it'll continue to be tough. I, I, I just can't imagine. And um, when someone passes on unexpectedly, it's I think all of us kind of say, well, we didn't get to say goodbye. But in a way, I think we we had, you know, I we had so much interaction with Joe daily through social media mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily for me saying goodbye because I, I would just I would say the same thing that we're saying tonight. We would talk about all the good times that we've had and the stories. But um you know, maybe it's better to go this way. I mean I wouldn't want Joe to have suffered. I know he's had some health problems in the past. I mean I think he yep. survived two strokes and I mean Joe told me he's like I don't even know how I'm alive at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he's like you know, he's like the old crotchety guy that smokes the two cigars a day and uh, eats fried pork chops every night. Pork cracklings. Uh, yeah, pork cracklings, yep, watching his uh, you know <laughs> watching Jericho because he just dreams of the government not existing anymore. Yeah. But uh, you know, like that's I mean Well, I, I it's um you know, and you oh, know, Joe has two, two daughters. daughters, one son, and, and a stepdaughter. Um, and I just I read Joe's Facebook page often, and he always talked about his families, uh, his family members, and yep. uh, he just had so much love, just so much unconditional love for his family. Um, and he always talked about when he referred to the princess of his world when he would spend mm-hmm. time with her, and that's of course Nicolae Ambrose's. Her daughter, who's ten, um, mm-hmm. the same age as Paige, she's ten as well. And um, I spent many Christmas parties um, at Nicolae Ambrose's house when she would do the Maryland Republican Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just um, he just had so much love for that little girl. And yeah. uh, he he was just like everybody, kind of in, in a different way. He's kind of like everyone's crazy uncle. Yeah, he is, no, he he's everybody's uncle. Yeah. Everybody you have to, and and everybody needs that that uncle right there. Yeah. But you know, it's like it's it's the, the the whole family thing is something that's really important to remember as well because you know, like it's very easy when when with somebody like Joe with it with anybody to to not forget that you know, there's still people <laughs> like, you know, he still had a family and you know, they're I'm sure they're I mean, I'm sure they're taking it hard, and like you know, to yeah, I mean, it's there. There, everybody out there, we have family of people that we care about, and so when something like this happens, I mean, it's like that's who we need. That's who you need to remember. And I know that they're they're planning a memorial service for for Joe, and I'm you know I that's definitely something that all of us will 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 be at and uh, to go and remember him. Mm-hmm. But um, 
You know, like I said, this our show that we do tonight. Look, if I if I can go to that service, I'm gonna wear all black too. Yeah, are you? Yeah. You're gonna wear a trench coat? I you know, I think I have a buddy that has a black trench coat, so I might have to just borrow it. Um and I saw I saw some old pictures of Joe and uh back of his <laughs> yeah. He's a handsome guy. Yeah. <laughs> he had that he had the look and uh you know, with the hair and he was uh <laughs> I I just love some of the pictures. Um one of my favorite I, I wish Ronnie Buss were on the show tonight. Um, oh yes, yeah. Um, Ronnie Buss did this great parody, uh, and he does these these songs and imitations. And there was a a song that he created last year. It was called "Thanks, Stefan, for Little Guy." Yes, and, that was amazing. And look, <laughs> let me just tell you, if you look for anybody out there, Ron Tankersley um, came up to the um, Republican Club holiday party and provided some amazing live entertainment for us. So who who? Um, uh, Ron, Ronnie Buss. Yeah, Ronnie Buss. His real name is Ron Tangersley, I believe. Um, but uh, he came up and he he was he was awesome. And he he, he sang us thing thanks Stefan for little guy and everything. And so you know if you uh, yeah if you're playing an event out there you know Montgomery County GOP uh, feel free to give that guy a call. <laughs> <laughs> well you know in. Sometimes when, when when Joe would refer to people, like he had these inside jokes that nobody quite understood, and you'd have to mm-hmm. ask him about. And there was just a few people that he would just consistently rag on all the time, <laughs> and it was just so funny. Like you know the little guy stuff, the Kim Grant Clyde. Um, mm-hmm. um, he, <laughs> I won't mention any names, but there was one political operative, and he always <laughs> just one guy. He's like he. He would make fun of him because uh, he's a male, and he would he would say that he's he needs a training brawl that he was growing breasts and <laughs> <laughs> no names mentioned. But you know, if Joe had a falling out, it, it something could it, there could be a longstanding dislike for as long as it endures. But Joe more so did it out of. Uh, to be funny, right? In, in the way that he he, he kind of referred to certain people, and it was just it was wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I I know that. Um, like I said, I, I know that he had some health problems, and I know that. Uh, I, I just remember him telling me that in my one show with him, he's like, "I'm I'm not going anywhere for a long time," and that sort of sticks with me. Um, and that's it's it's hard. He everybody knew him too, right? Or knew something about it. Yeah, he he was yeah ever he was a fixture around here. Yeah. Um, you know, I just imagine Joe sitting up and wherever he is, and you know, whether you believe in heaven or if you believe in a higher power or whatever, I know that he's somewhere watching, having a glass of something, and like he's waiting for the 2018 primary. That's what he's waiting for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, and I just think that what's What's Maryland politics going to be like? Maryland Republican politics, that is. What's it going to uh, be like moving forward? I, you know, I got I, Joe provided a very important voice because it was the renegade voice that would say what most people were too afraid to actually say. And so I think that, uh, um, I, I mean, I that that's my concern. I'm, a, I, I feel like he, he was an accountability factor for the party statewide, and so I'm really hoping that you know. Like th- to me, that was his main contribution to politics. He he had a following, and mm-hmm. people, you know, some of the, the the young people that are growing up in Maryland politics were just fun to watch because Eric. Let's face it, you and I aren't young guys anymore. Well, look, okay, we feel like we're old. I, but I do. You, it, but whenever I say that to like Mark Schaff, 
he always gives me crap yeah. because he's like, dude, I'm, I could be I could be your dad. Right. So stop get, stop complaining. You're yeah, not that is, and, and if Mark's listening, I love Mark to death. Um, <laughs> we don't always agree on some things, but then again, I'm like on everybody's outside shit list right now. You basically are, yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a Trump guy, and it's okay. I'm, I'm I'm. And I told Joe this privately. I said, I know there's probably a lot of things that you disagree. No, and Joe's Joe always encouraged me to be me, right? He's he, yeah. that's that's the one thing that I will that I, it, it just I remember so fondly that he told me never be anybody but you. You know, if mm-hmm. this is how you feel, go with it. Be who you are, and just kind of promote that and you know you have to have your own brand and <clears throat> joe never took disagreements personally and that's when that's what i really respected about him. that that is and it that is such a rare skill mm-hmm. in politics hands down okay we we see it all the time and it's like you know joe you know when when, when he was on talking about trump you know saying trump's gonna win you and i are both like nah nah that's gonna that's gonna be terrible we don't want the the fury i'm sitting there like this guy's you know? nuts to say that yeah and 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 the, but the best part is that he was like this is why you're wrong. And he told us. And you know what? We ended up being wrong. Well, I, I think over the years, and as you, you, you gain that wisdom that yeah. we can't always understand. It's, it's intangible. Mm-hmm. And when he, he always sort of predicted things that were going to happen, and they, and they happened exactly as, they, as he predicted. Yeah. As Which, a, and it makes you wonder. What did he, he know that we did? No, no. It, it makes me wonder: Is he the one that made it happen through some, like you know, some operative thing, yeah. or did again, did, or yeah, did he did he know it was going to happen before it happened? Like, is there like some secret forum for like the uber political operatives that like you know, like Joe and a handful of other people were in, and they right. knew everything going on? Well, uh, you know, I, I Joe's Joe's daughter uh, Sarah. Um, she just she made she she just wrote a post um under our link to the page and I just want to share this I hope it's okay um but I I feel compelled to share that she said dad was a funny guy an asshole but a lovable one he's somewhere smoking a cigarette with a shot of Jack laughing his ass off at this show right now <laughs> so I I think that's right good I I hope so I hope so um and you know I. You know how that when when remember you know people who pass on that were important to our lives that were of significance and that were well known like Joe, um, you always have this sort of kind of somber mourning period where everybody's very deeply and profoundly sad and that's fine, but you know before we did this I just said I mean I said to myself I can't I can't have that kind of you know yeah no you know what what, what see if. If Joe was calling on you know his his one eight hundred heaven phone line or you know one eight hundred gates of hell whatever it is I don't really care but he'd probably tell us when are you going to start bitching about all the stupid things that people have done over the last week because yeah. you know I know that they have and he's going to say like all right like thanks guys now make sure that somebody is out there calling everybody on their stuff because that's what he did so effectively. Well, and the funny thing is, is that I just remember on Wednesday afternoon, Joe was talking about going to jury duty. Oh, yes. yes so Joe that. had a play-by-play of his life, which I love, because <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It was just funny. And he uh, he was talking about how he was he was supposed to get – he was supposed to go to jury duty and that if he showed up and told some crazy freaking stories, that he would he would get out of it, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I remember Carmen Amadori was um, – she was a well-known politico in Maryland. She was saying that, well – 
Jury nullification. Jury nullification. I'm right. Yeah. Nullify that jury. And yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's do the jury nullification. You know, if it's a nonviolent drug crime, then get get it nullified. Yeah. Never no victim, no crime. No victim, yeah. no crime. And 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 I I would have loved if Joe had to go to jury duty. Like oh, I think no. I think in an alternative universe right now, Joe is somewhere sitting. In jury duty, like and, that, yeah. and if you believe in, I, and I, I don't think that Joe would be in purgatory, but if that would be purgatory, I would imagine having to do jury duty as part of is purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we could go into all the, that metaphysical bullshit and talk about multiple universes, or you could just watch the Flash. I mean, either one, you know. <laughs> I no, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, good. I don't want to either. <laughs> you would be better talking about that than I would be. Um, so you know what. <laughs> What what is there to say about a guy like Joe Stefan? Um, he's he was uh, gosh people people loved him or hated him, but more so people feared him. Um, yes, fear hands down. People feared that um, he would be able to um, to affect you. And Joe got into people's heads. That was that was important. Like the that's a characteristic that not many people could do well, but Joe did it so extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. Is that he. He was smarter than I think people gave him credit for. Well, to to be an operative in the sense that of the word that he was, you have to be able to do that. You don't want to have to sit there and poke people to piss them off. You want to just have it run on automatic. It's like a self-driving car. It's a self-driving like annoying factor is basically what he was able to do, and he was able to do it constantly. Yeah, you know, with everybody. I mean, every you know, there's 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 bundles of people out there that like every single time Joe sneezes they get worried. <laughs> they should. Yeah, and they as they should. They should. They should be worried. Um and I'm I'm still worried because I think that man's going to haunt me somehow. <laughs> somehow. I could see him up, upstairs like, writing a post. Look, no, if any if he's haunting anybody right now, he's hanging out in the governor's mansion talking about the 2018 primary. <laughs> okay, that's what he's doing. <laughs> All right. So, anybody who's listening, and I don't care who you are, Every single one of you knew deep down that you wanted to see him run for governor. Oh my god, I would love to. See, I want. I want to see him on the debate stage. Yeah, that's what I want. So here's what I picture: is Joe sitting on the debate stage, you know, wearing classic Joe gear, that black shirt, yep. in, in, in pair of jeans, and, and Johnny a, Cash, man in black. Johnny up, Johnny yep. Cash, you know, with his facial hair, and uh, him sitting there smoking a cigarette with a shot glass, <laughs> uh, and just kind of like unwinding, like on on government and. Uh, uh, you know, he's that would have been fun to watch, right? <laughs> so, you know, you kind of thought Kim and I talked a lot about this. You know, what if Joe actually does run? Mm-hmm. What What are we gonna do? Because we, I have such a sense of loyalty to Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would I would I've supported him or would I've set it out? I, I I think you and I would have had a lot of fun with that. Well, I see. I think it would have been. Honestly, it would have been great for the, any uh, every libertarian position out there. Quite frankly, I I I would have to agree and. Look, I like Larry Hogan very much. Absolutely. And, I voted for him. I'll, I'll yeah. vote for him again. Yeah. I, I was excited, but Joe would have brought it. I think Joe would and, – and Joe may not have had the party apparatus, but I don't think he would have cared. He didn't have the pedigree. The pedigree. That's the way that – that's the way we're phrasing it now, courtesy of Danny Farrar. It's the, the political pedigree, hmm. You know, the, the clean look and the, the, the smooth talking. That's the political pedigree. You know the crappy suits and the bad haircuts. That's political pedigree. Well, you know there was one thing that Joe didn't care about, and it was like he he just he he, he just sort of had this attitude, and and 
started to say, like, fuck it, right? Yeah. Just, you know, if you don't like me, fuck you. Mm-hmm. If you don't, I'm, I am who I am. I'm going to put out there what I want to put out there. And I'm going to take care of the people that I like. I'm going to I'm going to protect them. And I think that's it. I think that the, but the best part about it, it's not that he didn't just care, but it's that he was he was intellectually consistent with it. A hundred percent agree. He would that. And that's the thing. He could he could sit there. If you remember uh, back in the uh, um, when we had the whole Wendy Peters fiasco, oh, the yeah. delegate appointment process, you yeah. know, like, you know, Joe Steffens was and was, you know, he was a fan of Michael Huff. He had no problem with it mm-hmm. based on Paul's. But he was still able to go out there and be like, no, it only makes sense. Appoint Wendy Peters and this fiasco. Right. Okay. That didn't change his opinion of, of Huff. That just – that was his opinion on that issue. Yeah. So he had that ability that, again, it's something else that's really lacking in politics of being able to disagree with somebody on – you know, essentially disagree on policy but not have that one policy define everything. Right, right, right. Um you know, and one thing that Joe was – he always respected women. I mean mm-hmm. I say that like, what? okay, everybody's – you know. You're just saying he's not Trump. That's what you're saying. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't doing any uh, grabbing. So, yeah. um, And he just – he loved Kim, you know, and he, he really just loved Nicolae, and he, and he just – he had a – you know, I, he just he really really likes he really liked Nicole and took good care of her and they spent a lot of time and my heart goes out to them really because mm-hmm. they they spent so much more time than I did with Joe and than you did with Joe and um, you know as Kiara um, Nicole's um, she she lives with Nicole Kiara um, I, I feel really bad because she referred Joe to it as her American dad and. Uh, <laughs> I just remember the Christmas parties. We always had a blast, and we would go outside. We would have a lot to drink, and we would smoke. And uh, at that time, I was smoking cigarettes. Mm. Sorry, Mom. Good thing you quit. I did quit. Have you tried vaping? No. You should. Well, you're vaping. I know. It's it's amazing. You're lucky my, my soon-to-be wife is pretty cool with me uh, smoking in the house. <laughs> I know, right? Does Elise allow you to smoke in the house? Yeah, I vape. Yeah, I vape in the house. She doesn't care? No, she doesn't like it. Does when... she vape? No. no. Okay. But sometimes it gets a little... Little cloudy, um, so she so I turn on like the the fan over yeah. the stove or something. So that like if you look right there, right air, that's yeah. our we have a air purifier. Oh, that's for. The, and then I have a makeshift air purifier where I bought a box fan and put a um a an, an air filter on the back of it. <laughs> nice. It sucks to smoke right now. Bunch out. of duct tape and everything. Yeah, it, oh, literally, yeah. It, it, it's upstairs. I didn't know they made that kind of stuff. I thought they only made those things in Frednick. Yeah, this is. Mo- Moco. Exactly. Yeah. This, I is, can't, this is enlightened urbanite territory. I can't let my urban neighbors see that. <laughs> yeah. They no. might judge me. Screw They'll call it. the cops on you. They probably would. <laughs> um. So. You know, Eric. I. Uh, well. So here. Okay. So what? Here's here's what I think. I think that at this point, that uh, <laughs> I think that Joe, he honestly, quite frankly, he probably want us to start complaining about. All the stuff that uh, has happened over the last week. Yeah. Should we? Should we talk about that? I, I mean, I think there's a few things that we could definitely go ahead and talk about. Should we ask Kirby? I, I feel bad because I was supposed to have Kirby on the. Are you? I'm gonna ask Kirby. Are you still awake, oh. Kirby? He's gonna be pissed. <laughs> yeah, he is. He I is. feel bad. I love Kirby Delauder. Yeah, you know, it, Kirby gets a bad rap. Let me just tell it's you. Not fair. Yeah, Kirby gets a really bad rap, and I'll tell you exactly why. In Frederick County, there is a whole bunch of these, like, they're actually all the same 15 people that run these, like, basically fake liberal groups 
Um, you know, their executive directors are all on the other in the other group's board of directors. It's kind of like it's kind of like group incest situation, is what it really is, right? And basically, they have they're just very loud and a small minority of people, and they like to complain about Kirby incessantly. And what they because of their partisan blindness. They don't realize the same things that they complain about Kirby doing are the exact same things that their people, the elected Democrats in Frederick County, do as well. Right. They complain about how Kirby's so disrespectful in the county council meetings. Yeah. But they ha- but it's like MC Keegan Ayers, Jessica Fitzwater, and Jerry Donald do the exact same thing. Yeah. And you know, I told Jerry Donald this actually a month ago. He was in Brunswick for a meeting and I was the only person that showed up for his little like oh you know, his little I guess little town hall forum thing. So I just sat there talking to him myself. I got to talk to him for an hour and I told him, I was like, you know, look, you guys all do the same thing. You guys are all equally disrespectful to each other. The only difference is that Kirby's the only one, Kirby and Billy are the only ones that get called out on it. And you don't get called out on it because there's no such thing as there's not a whole lot of conservative media in Frederick County. No. Well, um, just briefly, um, I, I, parenthetically, I want to go back. Um, so we're, this show will never do justice and no, couldn't won't. possibly ever put in even a half a percent for Joe Steffens for the life that he lived. Um, he was our friend. We loved the guy. We may not have always agreed with, with Joe or – I mean he had his own perspective and he lived it and um, – there was so much more to Joe than just politics, and and please just understand that this is this is a show that's political in nature. Um, and Eric and I knew Joe from politics, um, and we didn't always we didn't know Joe from the other aspects of his life. Um, so th- this was in no way an attempt to uh, m- memorialize his entire life because that wouldn't even be fair because no, we can't we, do it. We couldn't even come close. We couldn't even come close. Not even we we did we just. We literally just broke the, the, yeah. the surface. Look, this, this is our experience of of Joe. This is our experience of a of a of a Maryland political mainstay that's been around for many many years. That has been involved in many campaigns and many actions. And yeah. in a lot of ways, he's helped. I know he's helped you. He's helped. He's helped both of us. Helped yeah. mentor us through this kind of whole political process and kind of you know showed us the ropes when he can. Yeah, um, and I know that his family. Are, are I'm sure in a lot of pain right now, um, and I can't. There's nothing that we're going to say tonight that's going to um, to ease that pain. But we can remember him, and we yep. can talk about all the good times. And he he gave back. He gave us a lot of light and happiness in our lives. It's true. And those are the people that you really sincerely take care of, and you love to death because um, you know he meant well. Um, he 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 always had a purpose in what he was doing. Um, and I will remember him because he was my friend. Um, he was a mentor. He's somebody that cared about me and my family. And what um, what what I think we're really going to miss um, is his his humor, um, his light. And uh, Kim and I were so looking forward to having Joe Stefan come to our wedding and be Crazy Uncle Joe. <laughs> and you know, and we knew that Joe, because I, I told Joe when we got engaged, because uh, when Kevin guy got engaged. Joe's like, you know, it's about ten time, guys. He's like, I called this. I did this. Yeah, one. you guys are basically married already. Well, That's how you know it's time to pop the question. Well, right. And and when I did, um, he 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 was very supportive and happy about that. I would have loved to have him uh, there on that day and be part of it, but I know that he's looking down. Um, Joe Stefan, our friend, 
passed away on Friday unexpectedly at 57. So, Joe, uh, if you're listening, which you don't even need earbuds to listen to this because I'm sure you're listening <laughs> this in the terrestrial somewhere, um, we're going to miss you. And uh, we will remember you for all that you have, all the happiness that you gave us in our life. Um, and to his two daughters and one son and one stepdaughter, um, our heart goes out to you, to your family. Um, and we are here. If you need anything at all, we will be there to, to help you. And uh, whenever the memorial celebration is, um, the official memorial celebration uh, Eric and I are going to do our best to to be at that and to remember him. So um, you know, just let us know. We'll we'll make that announcement. And I think we're going to do a more structured blog post about Joe when the time is right. Oh, of so. course, yeah. We have because we there we've he's been on the show a couple of times. We got this show, and there should we should get something out there for people. Mm-hmm. You know, for for everybody to uh, you know get a nice uh, to remember him by. So Joe Stefan. Passed away much, much too early at the age of 57 on Friday. So, Joe, may you may you rest in peace. And uh, wherever you are, um, have one for us. Smoke one for us. And, uh, and he doesn't have to worry about cancer. No. So he's lucky. So rest easy, our friend. Um, what else are we going to talk about? Well, like I said, let's let's – Let's what talk you, a little bit about what's going on. I mean, look. What the know. hell's going on in Frederick? And when do you have to be home, by the way? I don't have a curfew. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm an adult. I can stay out as late as I want. I gotta be in. I gotta be in bed by a certain. No, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, no, no. I got actually, you. Kim's upstairs. I know she's probably she's probably listening to us, like hearing the echoes and through the internet right now. Kim should come down. I don't think so. No. No, it's. Oh wait, I think she's coming. Never mind. Is she sure, coming down? Sure, why not? Come on down. But no, so okay, so let's you know, let's you know, look, let's we like we got let's spend the next twenty minutes. Let's talk about the stuff that you know that Joe would like to hear his complaint about. All right. <laughs> what are we gonna bitch about tonight? Um, so uh, let's see, what's happening? Should we bitch about Nigel Dardar? Oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> Holy cow, man! What like, a freaking Fruit Loop! I don't even I don't even know. Like, okay, you see so, that. Did you, the interview that I had last week when your ass fell asleep. Because <laughs> I'm old. No, I was I was waiting for you at like 9.02, and I'm like, all right, you know what? Eric is asleep right now. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do this. a couple times. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> when, if Eric does not come on by 8.59, I'm like, you know what? This, this old son of a bitch is asleep. So <laughs> Half the time I pass out on the couch, that's what ends up happening. And then you're like, oh, I miss Ryan's show. Yeah. Well, I, I, get a, I, I wake up like 10.30 or so, because then I have to go to actual bed. Um, you know, all I'm missing is the recliner. That's what I really need because then I think I'd pass out every evening. Do you have a recliner? No, but I need one. We need one too. I need like a nice old man recliner, you know, like the lazy boy that mm-hmm. is permanently ingrained with my buttocks in the bottom. That's what I need. Um, so I'm working on that. Don't worry. I want to get a re- – we're, we're, our basement is finished, so we, we have a like a, a family room downstairs as well. And um, there's all the kids' toys and crap down there. Yeah, that's what my basement is, is kids' room. Yeah, because you're – because in Arthur, they, well, does Arthur have any toys? I mean, does he actually play with toys? Yeah, he has toys. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's a box. Sometimes it's you know your cell phone. Hmm. Um, he started liking uh, um, handles, cup handles. So he's knocked my uh, my beverage over a few times. But uh, no, they have my, the boys have a whole playroom. They go down there, and Dane's got his little train table, and they just like run around and they go crazy. Hmm. Dane's a cool kid. 
he that kid's he's, cool, man. But he's such. I tell you what. He's and look, look, I'm going to say this, okay? And I'm only going to say it because Elise would agree with me, right? Zane can be the biggest little asshole really? in the world. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You think he gets that from you or, or – He definitely gets it from Elise because I'm obviously not an asshole. No. I can't even say it with a straight face. No, no. He's just like me. Mm. <laughs> There's no difference. Well, I want to talk about another asshole. Hey, what's going on in Brunswick? I know that we always talk about Brunswick, but – Well, what, of course. I live there, yeah. Yeah. What's what's up with Brunswick and the uh, the, the – Okay, so you got this Von Ripley situation. Yes. Von Ripley's a newly elected councilman that um, won a seat that tries to pretend like he's not part of the Huffzali crew, but um, yep. he really is. And he's also, like, tagging on with John Delaney whenever he can take a bite out of that apple. Yeah, he he, he went to a, a political event with John Delaney. Does he have any allegiance to – I mean, do, is it just kind of like whatever makes Von look good? Well, he, he doesn't – Vaughn is a perfect example of what happens when you are in politics and you don't have any principles or values that you follow. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much the definition of squishy mm-hmm. where you know, basically depending on who you're talking to, you will you – know, you'll basically say whatever it is to make them agree with you, and you don't bother with standing on principles or values. You know, you basically a political chameleon in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, I can tell you from personal experience. I mean, there's people that voted for me that also voted for Bernie Sanders. And like there's people that voted for me that are straight up socialist Democrats, you know, in their race. You know what, though? The people who voted for Bernie Sanders, there is they may be so far to the left, but we can always reach out to the other side because those are the same people who also are the civil libertarians. Exactly, and that's, and that's how I would phrase this. Yeah. I would, when I would talk to them, I'd be like, look, these are the principles, these are the values. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to follow. And people appreciate somebody who stands on values. Yeah. They, like, they like somebody – they like knowing what they're getting. Mm-hmm. Okay? When all you do is basically have this like fluffy, like feel good, like it's for the children attitude, no. people never know what to expect. So basically what happened is that uh, – um, for, so uh, basically, I sent in a PIA request to, oh, yeah, that's, that's to Brunswick. Um, um, Kerry Myers, the city, the new city administrator down there, is great. Let yeah. me tell you, I, I, I mean, look, I have so many problems dealing with Frederick County's PIA process. At least getting stuff from Brunswick is like a cakewalk. How long does it take? Oh, Frederick County takes exactly thirty days. Oh, do they? Well. I'm they sure. wait until exactly day 30, no matter what, no matter how easy. I could PIA the freaking lunch menu on from Thursday, hmm. and it would still take 30 days, okay, because – Do they do it on purpose? Of course they do it on purpose. Come on. Because it, let me tell you something. When I PIA the Washington County Board of Education, it's hmm. back at like ASAP. Yeah. Frederick, actually, Frederick County Public Schools, the longest one that I filed took like three days. Mm-hmm. And it was because the person who handled them was on vacation for two days. Mm-hmm. Okay, Frederick County, 30 days exactly, no matter what. Mm. Even when there's nothing to produce. they ju- I think they actually just sit around and wait till day 29. They're messing with you, man. They are. But that's why they're getting 30 PIA requests a week. Mm. Like, I mean, no, you you have a responsibility. I pay your salary. So freaking, you know, I own a home in Frederick County. I pay your salary. Give me my information. Brunswick, I don't have that problem. Carrie Myers get – I mean, the, our, our previous city admin, uh, Bob McCrory, he would take his sweet time doing that. Carrie Myers, it's done in a heartbeat. Half the time when I ask for information, she doesn't even make me go through the PIA request nice. process. You know, like um, a while ago, there was a uh, – there's this thing where basically it turned out that Brunswick was not receiving their um, um, 
uh, tax equity payments for mm-hmm. income taxes from a portion of our development. Right. And so the Frederick News Post didn't have the amount. So I basically asked Carrie, like, hey, how much is this? Got back to me in like 30 minutes. Mm. Like, so that I could go onto the show and talk about it, you know, Thor for. And so, like, you know, but so I sent it a PIA. Carrie got it back to me very quickly. And uh, the PIA was for all communication mediums used by the city council to conduct city business mm-hmm. because I had known from a previous you know meeting that they didn't use their government email addresses. And let's just say that they were not very happy about that. Um, <laughs> like I said in the article, apparently a uh, council member, Harry Lashley is a big fan of, uh, of our, of a minor detail. And hey, thanks for, li- I mean, here's the thing is thank you so much for listening, Vaughn and Harry and all you people. That- uh, and Huff, don't worry. Michael Huff's r- listening too. You know, he- you think he listens. Do you actually think he, I mean, here's the thing is though, does he really listen? Do you really think he tunes in? I, I, I can't, I can't see him doing that. Like, well, or- he tunes in as, as good as like your cat does. No, he's sitting over there. Exactly. I mean, he's listening. It's about the equivalent, really. Um, but uh, but no. So basically, the Brunswick City Council didn't re- didn't realize that I could PIA that. My uh, my inside sources have told me that uh, Von Ripley was very angry about having his communication PIA because yeah. he didn't even know that it could be PIA. Then use your non-government email if you want to communicate offline. Well, and but I PIA non-government email that was conducting city business. Right, and then that was conducting emails outbound to city business emails. Right. No, no, this was this was private to private, but he was conducting city business, and that's that's. Well, how did they get him to do that? They told him that you have to. Okay, so let me see if I understand this correctly, Eric. If you are conducting anything that has to do with city business, and if you and I. Let's just say if you and I were both elected to the Montgomery County Council, all right, okay, sure. and just apply the same rules as Brunswick to the Montgomery. Well, okay, forget that analogy. We're elected in something. We're elected okay. in in Brunswick. We're both city councilmen, and you and I okay. were communicating about a city issue offline using our non-government issued emails. Mm-hmm. That's that is eligible to be MPIA'd. Well, I I believe that's what I got, that's what I got handed over to me. Because I PIA'd everything. Because if, wow. if you're going to conduct city business, then if you're conducting city business via email, you know there's only a handful of exemptions for PIA. There's right. no mention of the medium that those conversations have to happen. Now, I can tell you, like I said, Von Ripley was very angry about my uh, PIA request. And here's the best part. My other inside sources have told me that magically all emails have basically stopped at the city. Their phone, they're calling each other on the phone now because they realized that I caught them. Basically, the PIA request did not look favorably on them as council members. I submitted an MPIA request yesterday to uh, the Washington County Board of Education. Ooh, what they say. Let's see. Oh, here it is. Um, and I always <laughs> – Richard Wright is like the best. I swear to God, this guy—he's the public information officer at Washington County Public Schools. He's—he is a true professional. Richard always gets back to me if there's any issues whatsoever. He lets me know. Yeah. And I said, "Good morning, Mr. Wright. I request all inbound and outbound Board of Education email correspondence from all seven Board of Education members of the Washington County Board of Education from December 13th to January 28th, mentioning the phrase." Superintendent Search, Ryan Miner, <laughs> <Yeah>. Superintendent <laughs> Clayton Wilcox replacement, and Deputy Superintendent. 
The, the request includes all inbound and outbound emails from the seven Board of Education members, board-issued email accounts, and then I named yeah. the board. I said, as always, I'm willing to pay for the cost associated with my request. Perhaps Karen Harshman and Mike Gessler should offer the same basic courtesy and split the cost, the roughly $42,000, in paying back the taxpayers of Washington County for their egregious conduct while serving the public. <laughs> So, yeah. See, see, I need to teach you how to do better PIAs. Okay, here, let me look. Here, here's your two-minute lesson for everybody out there in Radio Land. Okay, the 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 government can charge you if it takes more than two hours to produce the PIA request. Yeah, they don't have to, but they have the option. So my rule of thumb is, I only PIA for a one-week time span. Okay, number one, I only PIA basically communication to in between two different people mm -hmm. and i always include some sort of keywords yeah. now the keywords could be and or and then okay or it could be you know superintendent search data breach you know whatever yeah. okay but if i'm just fishing and or and then yeah that's what i go ahead and put in there yeah and so that way they can't charge you okay and again you know for me dealing with the county because they take exactly 30 days no matter what I have to predict what PIA requests I need to make so that I can actually get the information oh, yeah. in a reasonable amount of time. Well, so what else is going on? Uh, Annapolis session, any, any hot button issues that are happening? It's kind of a boring session so far. Well, so far, but we do, I do have an article pending okay. um, that I'm working on right now, and it has to do with uh, – Is it about Michael Huff? Um, I'm not going to reveal exactly who it's about, right. but uh, what I will tell you is that a uh, a a a person who labeled themselves as the uh, the Maryland conservative team has co-sponsored a total of over 1.2 million dollars in state debt spending for various private organizations around Frederick County, mm -hmm. and we're going and we're going to go through and we're going to basically highlight this $1.2 million of spending that Mr. Conservative has been, uh, um, engage, has been sponsoring in bills. Yeah. I got, yeah. I'm, I'm going to add in the per diem expenses too, because you know, they all, that's another, you know, 10,000 bucks a year. I think you're onto something here is that, you know, people who read our site. Okay. Um, we do focus mostly on Western Maryland because I think they're, they're bereft of news. I think that that, there's okay, so they have the Frederick News Post, and then they have which is like uh, on a scale of one to ten is like a two. Well, they don't do what we do. Well, they don't do a lot. Okay, but, but I'm saying that we cover a lot of the news that goes unreported, mm -hmm. and just like the Nigel Dardar situation. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about that from the Hagerstown Herald Mail or no. anybody up there. No, and and I mean, we, and that could do that dude's like legit insane. Yeah, you read the stuff. Yes, I yeah, mean it's so. like that's like I mean I do you think it's let me ask you a question from your perspective and you know we're both I would consider us both citizen journalists who who do report legitimate stories that go under well, the Remember radar. we got press credentials at the last GOP convention yeah, so, so I think we, we're straight up journalists now. So, okay, and that's fair, but I I've, I've gotten some really positive feedback about the stories. Um, and then, of course, you have some wackos that still hate me in Washington County, and that's why it's like, okay, all right, I, I, I get it. You guys don't like me, and that's okay. Um, but Nigel Dardar is 100 times crazier than you've ever been. I don't even think I'm crazy. I just think that I sometimes people yeah, – I, I, okay, you mentioned this offline. Ego. Okay, yes, it's there, and I, I admit that. It, mm -hmm. I, I have the ego, and it's it's healthy. It's not – over over ego, but 
it's a healthy ego. And I know it because – but I also am not afraid to take on people, mm-hmm. and neither are you. No, no, no. No, and you've done it so effectively. And people like Nigel Dardar especially, those are the sort of But that guy's crazy, a jerk. But those are the sort of crazies that need to be highlighted because people don't realize the depth of the crazy. I mean like like okay, seriously, who writes a note and wraps it around to the back of the business card? Okay, that right there, that to me, like if, if somebody did that, like and didn't just give me a second business card or like a piece of paper, then like and write it all out there, like to me that's just crazy. Well, there is a mayoral and council election tomorrow in Hancock. Oh yeah. So so are we going? Are we going to camp out on the pole? Are we going to do exit polls? <laughs> exit polling in Hancock. <laughs> Nobody thought. Everyone, people were thinking like, why? And I've had this feedback. People, why are you talking about Hancock Maryland elections? Because sometimes we find this little niche of interesting people that run for office, and and look, we like to cover municipal and, and local elections, and there is obviously more to Hancock Town elections that are more important than Nigel Dardar. We could have talked about issues. We could have interviewed the candidates. We just didn't have, we didn't have the time to do that, mm-hmm. and I wanted to because that would have been great. I would have loved to use our blog as a platform for them to talk about how they're going to make Hancock a more effective government. Not saying that it's not, but how they would – let's talk about local pocketbook issues. Yeah, I would have really liked to talk to them about the marijuana dispensary that they partnered oh, with. Oh, absolutely. You and I could have gotten great. into an hour-long conversation about – how they are going to utilize that to bring jobs to that region. Yeah, that's 30 jobs right there for a little town like that. That's huge. And that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. Uh, so we didn't get to talk about that, but we did get to talk about the lunatic that is running for Hancock mayor. Oh, my God. Who used to be incidentally associated with Terry Baker. Remember when he would come out? Yes. Remember I, him at the yes. Frederick County Clubs? Look, so I'm, 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 I'm not going to say who I – essentially, Nigel Darter came out to one of the clubs meetings to, to basically stump for Terry Baker. And, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm dying. Yeah, right and, and, and while he was talking, <laughs> I sent a text message to somebody who shall not be named saying, please, for the love of God. Never have this person stumped for Terry Baker ever again because this has been the most agonizing five minutes of my life. Remember when he was like attacking people for being country club Republicans? He said that. Like, really? Uh, yeah, he was hot. He was inferring Ami Hover. Oh, yeah. Because they think Ami yeah, Hover. Because affording a country club when you're a Republican apparently is a bad thing. Mm. Apparently, Republicans aren't supposed to have money. Right. Like, look, I tell you what, like, you know. I'm going to join a country club one day. I want to join a country club one day. I want to be able to write that check every month and not care because I have the money lying around. Do you want to talk a little bit of gossip? Ooh, let's do gossip. Can yeah. we do it? Yeah, sure. We got what? We, it's Well, we got like five minutes left, and then so it's uh, five minutes of oh, gossip. Oh, I set the show until 11. Well, I got to get home eventually. I know. I got to drive. But okay, five, ten minutes, whatever. Yeah, whatever, ish. Okay. All right, so gossip. So I can talk about whatever I want, and you're not going to get mad. Do I, I? Do I have to agree with whatever you say? No. All right, good. Then let's go. Okay. <laughs> Can we talk some CD6 politics? Oh, boy. Yes, let's do this. All right. So we'll, we're gonna... Let me take a drink first. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. So, okay. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Literally, we're... we just got done two months ago, and we're back on CD6. All right. So the room, So there's some, there's some rumors tonight, and it's, 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 this is – for anybody who's listening, this is not fake news. This is legitimate rumors. Eric and I are only <laughs> – no alternative facts? There's no alternative facts. We're only reporting rumors, okay? okay. And, and that's okay because we can do that. We can't confirm – we don't know the reliability of these. 
have absolutely no idea whether or not this is true this or not. Is rumors and gossip. This is your tabloid page. So here's the rumor. All right, you ready for this? All right, here's the rumor. The rumor is that Dan Bongino, a former congressional candidate in the state of Maryland who ran almost successfully in 2014. Yeah, lost by 2,700 votes. Is considering moving back from the state of Maryland. Florida. Well, moving back – I'm sorry. Moving back to Maryland from the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've had Jen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen that glass. Yeah. It's empty. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> empty. Uh, he's thinking about moving back reportedly, allegedly, putatively thinking about moving back into Maryland to run again for the 6th Congressional District. Uh, we have no idea if that is true. It's just a rumor, and it's being repeated. And I've, I've talked to a couple different people about that. And here's the thing, and you're not going to get anything out of me more than it's interesting. I think it's report. <laughs> I, I believe it's reportable. And if that would happen to be, um, that would certainly make things interesting in 2016 or 2018. Yep. Um, because the rumor is, is that he's considering running for Congress. It wouldn't be a big deal if Dan was just moving back to Maryland. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe he's back to seed no ground, and uh, he's <laughs> he's reclaiming the ground that he once did not seed. He's uncarpet bagging. He's uncarpet bagging. He's reverse carpet bagging. Because yeah. <laughs> Dan moved to Florida and ran in Florida's 19th congressional district and lost um, this past year. Well, last year in the primary, he got beat on August 30th by Francis Rooney, who ultimately became – How do you know the date? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot savant. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I remember these things. Jeez, I barely remember my wife's birthday half the time. Don't tell Elise Thank, that. Oh, she knows. Thank God for Facebook. Um, Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, you know, so – This is – and by the way, yes, we're okay. not – this is this – is, we're – Indifferent. I mean, it's kind of like we're just talking about it because yeah, it's something so, to talk about. Okay, so this this is, I think one of the politics severely lacks the long game. Everybody plays this like they play it like Counter Strike, and it's actually chess. Okay, or 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 Civ Five. Okay, so when it comes to something like this, okay, if Dan decided that he's going to move back to Maryland, okay, that's cool. I'm okay with that. I'm not it's not I'm not opposed. I'm not for it. Okay, that's fine. But if he moves back and then within six months files a campaign committee, then it's like that's just I, I, I'm not a fan of that sort of politics. Okay. Now the smart move is if he decides to move back to Maryland, move back to Maryland, hang out for four or six years. Okay, and then nobody's gonna care. It's you know, I've 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 a, a very wise person told me this, okay? Like when it comes to this whole, you know, basically there are certain events in people's lives that force them to live one in one place or another. Okay, I'm a perfect example of that. I came to Maryland by, via the army. I'm from California. I got stationed here, and I just stayed. Okay, now you know I've gotten crap before because I have had never voted in Maryland before 2012. It's like, well, that's because I wasn't registered here. Who and cares? Was, yeah. And I was like, you know, yeah, and I didn't vote in 2006 either because my absentee ballot showed up in January. Yeah. Okay, so, like, give me a break. But basically, I mean, if he's going to do that, then I really hope that he plays the long game with this. I hope he doesn't move back and just try to run immediately. I hope he moves back and he basically starts influencing Republican politics in Western Maryland in the 6th District or whatever district it is and basically builds from the ground up. And the other part of that is that 
former congressional candidate, Ami Hober, who ran in 2016, was the Republican nominee, um, is reportedly also perhaps taking serious steps to consider another bid. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I don't. That's a race that I will be happy to sit out because I got county council seats that we need to flip in Frederick. Listen, and and this is a declaration at 10:30 p.m. on Sunday, January the 29th. Is that if that were to occur, Eric and I would take a hands-off approach to that because I mean we would just report the facts and mm-hmm. talk about the you know we would just talk about the race if it's newsworthy debates, whatever. We have no idea what's going to happen. But in that situation, the best thing for all of us to do, because I, I can't, I'm, I'm content in my life not to have any more drama. I just, I don't want, you know what I'm saying? I'm like content. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying life. Um, I got, you know, I have a great job. I'm enjoying every day of my life. I have a wonderful family. Eric, you and I don't need any stress in our lives, and yeah. it's just uh, that would be one of those things where we would report the facts and we would sit back and just kind of watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, and that's that's look. If Dan Bongino decides to move back, as Eric mentioned, I think that there's a long game of be smart, be strategic. Yep. You don't have to run every cycle, and if he yeah, and, take, and, a, take a break. I mean. Eric and I are not giving anybody campaign advice. We're like, don't listen to us, okay? <laughs> yeah, we lose. We yeah. haven't won a campaign, so let's just be fair here. Yeah, don't listen to us, okay? <laughs> Please, just don't listen to what the hell we're saying. But we're telling you that in, in Dan's situation, I think he would get a lot of crap for that. He would, and and the, and the, the problem is that it wouldn't just be from his opponents. It'd be, it'd be from supporters. There was a lot of burned bridges you know, during that – Florida race, okay? I'm not saying whether they're valid or invalid, but there just were. That's just the facts. There's a lot of people that had had negative feelings towards that move, okay? And so I don't think that, uh, you know, I get it. You know, it's like... It's your decision to run, yeah. and, and we're not... We would never discourage and, anybody from running. And quite frankly, honestly, if you're under 50, like, you have plenty of time to basically, like, plan out your political career, okay? You don't need to be in a huge hurry. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lifetime for that. And, you know, what, 50 is the new 40. 60 is the new 50. Yes. Yeah, ish, yeah. So you can make a meaningful impact in the world, in your community, in politics mm-hmm. – at really at any age, and it's just it's what you put into it and what you what the long term goals are. You serve so Eric, if you go to Congress for a term or two terms, um, and you can successfully say that you know you helped elect a Republican president, you passed a balanced budget, or that you there was one issue that you wanted. You know it could be something as uh, granular as uh, getting something through a subcommittee. Mm-hmm. Or working to never support a tax increase, or as big as you know, basically solidifying the Second Amendment. Right, exactly. And all of those are noble and worthy goals, and people run for various reasons. But there's sort of a narrative that develops if you keep running that um, you're a perennial candidate. You have to have a time to relax and breathe. Yep. Um, and that this is no judgment. I'm just saying that the, the narrative. Moving back into the district, it's 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 really none of my business. But if you're asking me for my vote as a Republican, it is my business because you're telling me that it, it you know I've lost three times, and you're going to come back into the into the district that you ran in before after telling people that you left for a personal reason. 
And so that says to me, okay, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of to weigh. Well, and, and, and remember this too. This see that here's part of the long game strategy that everybody in politics forgets about. Okay, like quite frankly, the most important race in 2018 is not the sixth district congressional race. It is the gubernatorial election Bad in the state it is, house. It is the five state senators and the seven delegates that we need to pick up to basically a veto, a veto to, to prevent veto overrides. Okay, that's what we need. We need to be able to filibuster in the Senate, prevent veto overrides in the House of Delegates, and keep Larry Hogan in the governor's office. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. Those right there are the most important in 2018. Anything else is really just icing on the cake, okay? Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to get rid of Jan Gardner. I'd love to get a 5-2 Republican, like real Republican. Do you think we can get rid of Jan? I don't know. Depends on it, it depends on if who I hope runs against her does. <laughs> Kelly Schultz. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I heard Sorry. that Kirby Delauder is thinking about it. I, I Kirby's thinking about it. Too. I love Kirby. I, I, there's some other people that are thinking about it. I heard there's a Libertarian that might emerge for that election. <laughs> um, don't know who that might be, but uh, um, Eric's yeah. winking at me. <laughs> yeah, wink. Yeah, wink, wink. Um, but no, I think that you know there there are important races, and and honestly, at this point, I don't think that Congress. Congress isn't too high up on my list as far as the level of importance goes. We already have a Republican Congress. We already have a Republican Senate. We have a Republican executive. Okay, like I would much rather focus on getting Larry Hogan, those delegates and the state senators elected yeah. because in my mind, that means that the 2020 redistricting will be an mm -hmm. independent, nonpartisan, fair redistricting. Yeah, I think so. So we'll have five Democrats and three Republican Congress people anyways. So at that point… I would be, I would likely be redistricted out of the sixth district. Yeah, you'd probably be back in the. You'd probably. I'd be, be in the eighth. eighth. Yeah, yeah, because this was the eighth for quite a long time. Yep. Um, and and that's where I should be. Yeah, exactly. That's, right. That's so we should, should be. technically be in the eighth, and that mm -hmm. would be the the Jamie. I would be in Jamie Raskin's district. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jamie's not horrible on couple issues. No, he he's good on some libertarian issues, but he's so he's terrible on a lot of issues as well. Um, do we want to talk at all about President Trump? Who? <laughs> uh, uh, sure. Look, look, okay, it's the end of the show. Nobody's listening anyways. Like we can talk for about a few minutes. Um so the first week was interesting. By the way, I like to watch the Sunday shows because I get up and have coffee and I sit back and yell at my TV. Oh, see, there's your problem. I watch the only, you know, I watch one political show. What do you watch? Greg Gutfeld. Oh, I love Greg Gutfeld. Greg Gutfeld is hands down, in my opinion, the best political commentator, and he has a TNA wrestler on the show now. Yeah, I love, I love Greg. He's funny. He's hilarious. You know, he's a libertarian. Exactly. Him and Cat and Catherine Timpf are mm. always on the show. Yeah. And they're both very libertarian leaning so, and hilarious. So here's what I'm thinking. By the way. I love the format of us being in in the same. It's it's not plausible every every Sunday night. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, but, obviously. But when we when Eric and I can do this, it's so much better. I mean, because yeah. Eric and I talk over Skype, and we try to limit the show. I mean, Eric's here. I got him to come down to Montgomery County, so we're going to take. I don't do time. this often. So no, and he wouldn't. Yeah. But but <laughs> but we we try to work it out. In fact, we were going to try to do this at a cigar shop in Frederick County because we yeah. like to smart support small businesses. So our goal was to do it there, but. Um, you know, I should try to do this in my vape shop too one of these days, but they close at nine, so we might have to change. Yeah, we might have to change the scheduling a little bit. That's fine. I mean, we yeah. we're flexible. Okay. And and here's the thing is that you and I are are good at doing the show 
whatever, being consistent. But then it's releasing the podcast afterwards, and yep. if people choose to listen to it, um, they can. I, I was joking about nobody listening to us. <laughs> no, people listen. I mean, and if they don't, then I hope it catches on. But I think yeah. people do recognize a minor detail uh, in in Maryland as a, as a voice. Yep. And they do, and they. So they, let's talk about Trump. Yeah, all right. So. Let's rage against the pumpkin. Well, uh, this whole Muslim ban. Is well, it a Muslim ban? I don't think so. No. I don't. I don't know if it's a full-blown Muslim ban, but it has a lot of people worried. I mean, um, so I, I don't have a problem with banning Im- like immigrants from a country that is a war-torn apocalypse he, zone. So, did you or, ever ask yourself why didn't he include Saudi Arabia, where the 9/11 hijackers actually came from? Well, yeah, he should have. But we don't because of oil and because we want oh, to drill our own oil. oil. Yeah. If now if we if we say started fracking in Western Maryland, for example, and started you know, if, you know, Southern California has an oil reserve that is three times larger than the entire Gulf Coast that includes ten times as much natural gas as as the um, as the Gulf Coast as well. There's enough natural gas in Southern California mm-hmm. to fuel the entire country's natural gas need for 100 years. Yeah. And California banned fracking, so we can't use it. The La Brea tar pits. Remember, remember the old movie Volcano. Lava yeah. comes out of the tar pits. Those tar pits, oil is underneath there. Wasn't that movie with Ashley? Um, oh, the, the chick from Ashley Judd. Yeah. Yeah, and Pierce Brosnan. No, yeah. not Pierce Brosnan. No, that was Dante's Peak. Um, I'm thinking was, of John, uh, Dante. Tommy Lee jo- Jones, I think, was in uh, Volcano. But so like that, like so there's an example. If we just started fracking that, then we could tell Saudi Arabia to you know STFU. But uh, <laughs> you know, I I mean. I don't have a pro. I just don't like executive orders. Period. So, so I don't care what it is. I don't care if it was an executive order saying that, like, you know, everybody should be able to buy automatic weapons. I would still not like it because it's an executive order. But with executive orders, and I've had the discussion that sometimes ex- executive orders have become overused by presidents. And in fairness, Obama had his fair share of executive orders. George Bush did. Bill Clinton. Clinton. This is yeah. this is a a presidential power. That should be used sparingly, but it's not. It turns into policy, and you and I both agree that if you want to pass policy, then you need to go through the proper channels, and that's go through Congress. Yeah, and see, I don't care if you write an executive order to name a building after some, you know, like after somebody. Uh, that's not that's not important to me. Okay, like if you look at how many executive orders George Bush what actually a building wrote, named after us. Yeah, I mean, like that, I don't care. Okay, but like George Bush, like a third of his executive orders were naming post offices. Okay, those don't count. But when you write an executive order to say we're going to stop enforcing federal law or I'm going to drone strike American citizens and assassinate them, I don't like that. We have to be consistent because there were so many bad executive orders that Obama passed through that we will we and and we're and look in fairness we are intellectually consistent. We we attacked Obama for drone striking innocent American citizens without due process. Yep. And so but we're also going to go after President Trump. And look, sometimes it takes a an executive order to overturn a bad executive order. I get that. Yeah, I, look, if his first executive order was I'm overturning every executive order from the last 8 years, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. So in like TPP, terrible. Terrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I agree with that, okay? Not doing abortions in foreign nations and the United States taxpayers paying for that. Yeah, not paying for them. Exactly. So I, I'm fine with that. I, I'm I'm good with that. Um, I would rather just cut all their funding off. Period. Yeah. So running, <laughs> but passing a slipshod executive order like this whole series, you know, this whole sort of not letting people in the country that have green cards, and then 
having it basically dubious and not – I mean it's sort of uh, – but, con- but Ryan, here's the thing. Here's here's the story that you don't get told because I saw Eric um, Eric Moringa, uh, a friend of ours, mm-hmm. had posted this when he traveled to Kenya last year and came back. He's act he he he's actually here on a green card. When he came back, he was held for an extra period of time by by the at the TSA. airport at the airport. Yeah, he basically went under that extreme vetting process because mm-hmm. he came from Kenya. That was a year ago. Trump wasn't the president. Right. So if Trump is a racist, sexist, bigot, whatever, for this executive order, then again, to be logically consistent, Obama would be the same thing because he did it to our friend Eric. Is it fair for Trump to engage himself personally as well as his aides in this war on the media? You think it's fair? I think it is. Okay. It's, it, it, he has the bully pulpit. And he can choose to do with it as he wants. I, that doesn't mean that I agree with it necessarily, mm-hmm. okay? But you know, let's be honestly. CNN, MSNBC, you know, New York Times—they have not been very fair in their coverage. Period. They like to leave things out. They have lied. It wasn't it the CNN reporter that tweeted the thing about the Martin Luther King Jr. bus that was so removed. That was a a New York Times reporter. Okay, New York but he Times. did po- he did apologize several times. And John Spicer, the press secretary, did acknowledge that he said in a tweet, apology accepted. Yes, but you have to remember as well, okay, everybody read the first story that was probably front page on the New York Times, and nobody read the retraction saying we got it wrong. But I also don't think that it was intentional. I I don't think that – I really don't believe it. I think I think they're just, they're just they're 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 they were grasping in a story, you know, to <laughs> no. try to find something that Trump did wrong. I mean, look, look, I he he wasn't my guy. I didn't vote for him. I never planned on voting no, for I didn't him. Either. Okay, but I would like to at least let him like do something before I get all pissed off about it. You and I aren't going to spend the show. I mean, I'm saying not the show, but the theme of a minor detail was not necessarily yeah. national politics. But here's what I've said: if he does things that I agree. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. That's that vaping, bro. <laughs> if he does things that I agree with, I'm gonna shout it from the mountaintop. Okay, I'm gonna support it. If he does things that align with our perspective of liberty, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's important because I don't think that President Trump is going to be a guy that's gonna want to involve us in a third world war. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's made a point to say that even though whether or not he supported the Iraq War or not, and that's a point of contention. I don't think that he's going to take us into another war. Hillary actually said that she would. Yeah. So there's one very stark contrast. So, so, but what I am concerned about is that I do believe that the office is bigger than any one person. He's got to grow into this thing. He's got to grow into the office. I know that everybody's mad at Washington. I know that people hate the media. But, dude, you got to start acting. Put down the Twitter. I think it's great. Are you no, kidding? I, 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 I don't. No, great, not like good, but great. Like I, I mean, look, this is this is what people voted for. The people didn't want the political pedigree. Oh. They, this is exactly what this is what flipped three states that hadn't gone Republican since around the time since basically around the time that we were born. You know, that's the, how those states flipped. You know, th- there's an interesting tidbit that. You know, to bring it back to our our dearly departed friend Joe, he's he always made a point to say that Rasmussen Ra- reports, um, the polling company called the election, and the IBN, um, the International Business or IBD poll, um, always predicted that Trump would win, and he was right. Mm-hmm. And Joe, 
I don't think that the president's approval rating has so drastically dropped. I think he's probably – look, I have – this is just pure speculation. I think he's prob- – half the country supports him and half the country does not support him. Well, and that's all you need. You need 50.1 percent of supporters in 50.1 percent of the states. Eric, does he have a mandate? I think that I, – I, I think he does, but let me tell you why. No, he didn't win the popular vote, but – Congress is more representative of the people. That's why we have elections in Congress every mm-hmm. two years. That's why they happen so frequently. They have such short terms, and that's why and they represent one little district inside of a state. Mm-hmm. I think that based on not based on the presidential results, but based on all of the results, that there is a mandate. Okay. Okay. I think that a lot of those congressional seats, you know, so, of those were some of those were you know flipped back and forth. I think that those congressional seats show people, you know, when it comes to the president, a lot of people vote same party president, same party. It's that down ballot effect. I think there's a mandate to do some things. Now, there's not a mandate to throw Muslims in internment camps or any of this crazy. He's not going to do that. Yeah, that people keep saying he's going to do. Okay, that's not the mandate. But I do think that there is a mandate for especially stuff like balanced budget. Mm -hmm. um, for restoring law and order, that's a huge thing. And gutting government. Yes, basically making government smaller. So here's what would make a President Trump much more palpable to me is, is just Ryan from North Potomac, okay? okay, from born and raised in Western Maryland. All right. Can it with the other bullshit on Twitter, okay? <laughs> just, just stop talking about the crowd size. Who gives a shit, right? Okay, you won. Right, it comes down, you, dude. You mm-hmm. won, okay? You won, yeah. So nobody cares about how many people did or did not attend your inauguration. We wouldn't even be talking about this had he not come out so forcefully to make it a point. All right, number two. Well, I think he was just trolling, but that's just me. Because okay. look at the overreaction. The overreaction was a bunch of people that went down there to protest about nothing. So, well, I, I don't think it was nothing. I think that there it was, was a, it was basically the entire liberal agenda. Well, yes, and but my 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 position on that is is that they weren't there for nothing. I think that it was a sh- clear show of democracy in action. But well, no, see, Ryan, what I'm doing, I'm borrowing the same language that liberals used when I went to the Million Veteran March, because that's what all of the that's what all of the big liberal commentators said about it. They said it was oh, it's a protest about nothing. We were protesting the the government shutdown, closing down the monuments. Yeah, for honor flight people that were coming in. But I don't like okay. that that the the women's march. I mean, and this is a verified fact that they like like pro life people were turned away. Yeah. So pro life I mean, people were turned away, and people who had been convicted of torture and murder mm-hmm. were featured as keynote speakers. So, and that's another <laughs> so, point. Trump, like, and not even babies, like adults. So <laughs> okay. this whole thing about torture works. I don't think it works. I don't know. I haven't been. Oh, okay. Let's. Let me rephrase. I don't support torture. I can say that I – I guess you you could make a feasible argument to say that I've undergone some l- measure of torture on numerous occasions. Now, I'll tell you it broke me. It took a while, but it bro- I, I broke in the end, <laughs> but I was also a 15-year-old kid. I wasn't exactly oh, a, well, yeah, a I know. terrorist. I understand. Um, but, but I think honestly – But, but like adding said, waterboarding, I don't think that's the way to go. I think – look, if anything, I like um, – <laughs> when I was watching Gutfeld last night, he said that torture should include tickling. <laughs> that should be all that they do tickling? because – yeah, tickling. That would, that would 
crack me. I think tickling along with Justin Bieber mm. um, and, <laughs> you know, eating, uh, um, I, I, I don't know. What's, what's the worst food you can possibly imagine? I don't know. Bologna sandwiches. I think between tickling bologna sandwiches. You don't like bologna sandwiches? Not regular bologna. I like like the good bologna, but not the like the the, the Meyer. Yeah. That's but just so terrible. Put all that together and I think that you could pretty much crack anybody. Do you think there's a an argument to be made with the whole Steve Bannon replacing the on the 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 uh, National Security Council? Yeah. No, the National Security Council is just some arbitrary organization that we ran. I, wasn't it created in 2004 yeah, yeah, but, when they created the Director of National Intelligence? But Steve Bannon is a shitbag. I don't Yeah, but you know what? So I mean, look, I, what's he actually going to do? I mean, what's what worse can our national security apparatus do? I mean, look, the NSA, ha, you know, has been rogue for many years. Some of their employees go rogue, and they misuse their classified information for personal purposes. Okay, that's been well documented. All right, they've been spying on American citizens. They've been, you know, trying to force, you know, encryption keys be turned over. I mean, how much worse could it really get? Okay. Like, let's be fair. I mean, I mean, like, what's what's the worst thing that could happen is that Trump forces all these IT companies to do what Obama wanted them to do Mm -hmm. two years ago. Okay, that's the worst thing that could happen. And so, like, I again, I don't. I mean, what about starting a trade war with Mexico? Yeah. What I I don't believe in this. um, So here's here's what I'm failing to understand in the president's logic. Okay, so he wants to build the wall. Okay, that's one issue. Go fund me. Yeah, go. That's how it should be. It should be if you want to build the wall, the wall should be all so voluntary contributions. Trump would be he's a brilliant marketeer. Of course. Undoubtedly. That's unquestionable. This guy can push out a message instantly to what? 30 million people and yeah. bypass the media. It's so like he stayed at a holiday in last so, week. Yeah, so here's the thing. President Trump and Eric, you made such a salient point today. He could his supporters could raise like Hundreds of millions of dollars, right? <laughs> yep. Well, think about it. It's what he he got sixty million votes, something like that. Yeah, sixty-two okay. million. Yeah, sixty. I think isn't the total cost of the border wall going to be like sixty million dollars? Wasn't no? That? I think it's going to be like fourteen billion. Fourteen billion. Okay, that's so a lot of money. If each one of them gave two, <clears throat> was that two hundred dollars? Yeah. If each one of them gave two hundred dollars, I can't do mental math. Played. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just, just round numbers, okay? If every person that voted for him gave two hundred dollars to build the wall, they could build the wall. That's putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Could you imagine if if Donald Trump came out tomorrow and said, "Hey, you know what? Um, I'm a, I'm like he says, I'm like a smart guy, okay? And <laughs> really if, smart. Yeah. If I'm like a smart guy, wouldn't it be smart for him to say, you know what? Um, let's fund it ourselves, and we'll show Washington." And we'll do the power of – we'll show the true power of this movement. And, and voluntary taxes. Yeah, and we'll voluntarily give money to build this wall because a lot of people support the wall. Okay, So if you got people – they started organizing at the local level to raise <laughs> money for this freaking wall, that would be – I would almost donate it because I would think it's such a smart idea. Like and if he went out on a tour – and you, no, you have to sell like panels and stuff too, like advertising. If he did okay. the QVC wall, like if he started <laughs> yeah. doing QVC ads, like he, oh, President Trump, it's two thirty in the morning, and he's on talking about how you should not buy, 
you know, cubic zirconia necklaces, you should be supporting this border wall. <laughs> Look, I tell you what, okay, if he, if there was a GoFundMe for the wall and there was an option to, like, have my name emblazoned on the wall with a message that I wanted, I would totally oh put out the money. Oh, my God. Okay. What a gr- – so if – Eric we, Beasley, hashtag taxation is theft. If you could give people <laughs> the chance to engrave something on the wall – you have to incentivize it, so it's a great business decision. Every each panel, each four foot panel, you know, say it, it what it, that much steel. So you could, you know, you know, like you could get all those crazy people to write like, oh bummer, right? <laughs> oh bummer is a Muslim. A Muslim, yeah. like 150 times for 300 miles stretch across the state of Texas. <laughs> How much trolling would that be? That is so brilliant. Or think about it, all the immigration lawyers. They yeah. could buy panels to advertise. Yeah. On the wall. Oh my god. Like, are you being Ported, like boom, call me now. Like put a, pay, put a payphone right there next to his ad. I mean, Eric. look, this is free market. This is how the free market works. We just solve two problems at once. If you're listening to a minor detail, we've had a major breakthrough right now that we have solved <laughs> the world's problems, not only using free market principles, but basic advertising techniques. Yep. We could possibly sell this wall if we could write whatever the hell we want on it. Seriously, think about it. Exactly. And if you want to, if you want to write fuck Trump, then go ahead. Yes. Shell out the money. Yeah. I don't care. Or okay. we could – Eric and I would take out a lifetime – a minor detail. Hey, you want to follow <laughs> Maryland politics? Yeah. Uh, go to minordetail.com and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about – I'm telling you, great idea, Eric. It's 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 that simple. And see, this is there. There's how you do it. So you if know? you really want to, so if he really wants to troll the federal government, and 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 wouldn't that be the way to do it? This is because it takes all the power out of the federal government. <laughs> if people realize that they can voluntarily contribute to build infrastructure, now why do we have to stop at walls? What about roads and bridges and schools and everything else? But my roads. Exactly. Think about it. The possibilities are endless. If we can prove it one time, we can prove that we don't need to be taxed so much because people will voluntarily spend their money for the things that they care about. Yeah, and if that's you know sending out a message to grandma or to – to whatever you want on the wall, yeah. if we can engrave the wall, so I'm telling you. I mean, you. look, somebody's gonna put an engraving of Harambe on the wall. <laughs> I mean, everything. Okay, there'll be like a, a, a you know a Bernie Sanders, you know hashtag feel the burn. You'll have everything on there. So just do it. We get the wall. They get the advertising. Doesn't cost taxpayers a dime. No, and people voluntarily put their own private expenses into it. That's yep. what we are. That's that is a great free market principle. I hope they do it. That'd be amazing because, like I said, and then if we prove it once, we can do it with everything else. We could, we could, we could start selling off road space and engraving in our. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's coming up, um, Eric? In, in the next week, um, we always try to highlight the, what's going on and what's. Around the state of Maryland politics, anything that we should keep an eye on? Uh, well, the uh, Monoxy River land grab is still ongoing. Oh, um, right. That's going to be coming up this week. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more. I've been covering it on the Thor at Four. I mean, uh, you know, we've been writing about it. Um, big land grab up in Frederick County. Jan Gardner is trying to steal a bunch of property, and people are not very happy about it. So, is it through eminent domain? Uh, no, environmental regulations. Even worse. Oh. So, yeah, the the usual headache, but uh, we got that. Can we um, beat Jan in 2018? Is I sure, it possible? I sure hope so. Do you think, I mean, if the right Republican, or let's just not even say Republican, like the right candidate came along. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I mean, could they be independent? Or they, I mean, it would obviously have to be. I think Jan could win. She'll, the, I, think, I think Jan could lose. Is she popular? She's popular. She was popular running against Blaine Young. Yeah. 
So that, that was tough. It's like that's like Blaine's not going to run it's again. It's the same thing right? as Larry Hogan versus Anthony Brown. But I Blaine's think, not going to run again. I I don't think so. I think you're going to say you hope not. <laughs> that too. I don't. I have no problem. I voted for Blaine, but mm-hmm. man, like no, just I would love it. I like Kirby because Kirby brings it. I know that'd be. I'd love Kirby. I'd love to see Kirby debate. Um, your buddy CJ. Oh yes. What about him? He's a good kid. He is. I give him shit just you to give him. You give him a ton of shit. I don't think he likes me. <laughs> he doesn't. No, he, he doesn't? doesn't. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't he, care. You give him a ton of shit. No, he's. Uh, I think he's going to run for Central Committee was his plan. Um, I've been having him up on the show up there to help me cover Thurmont. Tell him to stay away from doing goofy videos of Obama. It's not funny. Oh, I already gave I gave him – t- that in the shotgun video, I gave him a ton of, of crap for so it. I think he's I, done with that. Well, I – but I did reach out to him in a private message, and I said, "Look, you're you're clearly you you clearly have a passion for this, okay, and you have a perspective that people will listen to. But you know, here's just a piece of advice from a guy that has failed many times in his life: don't do stupid shit like that. <laughs> yeah, people don't want to see that, okay? Do do a podcast. Yeah, start doing this stuff. I mean, seriously, I don't have anything against the kid. I like him. I think he's funny." And I just give him shit to give him shit, and I, there's nothing. I have nothing against him. I just, I just rib him a little bit. Um, I wish him all the success. Should he run for county council? Do what is in your heart. Do what's in your heart. You know, you want to well, run, you want to run. It's gonna be a crazy. There's gonna be 80 people filed in Frederick County to run for office. Now he just turned 21, but it's not easy. Yep. Um, Before well, we go, there's one thing we have to say. Yes. Taxation theft. Taxation is theft, and, uh, and hats off, Joe Steffens. Joe Steffens, this is for you, my friend. So thank you for listening, and God bless y'all, and have a good night. All right, man.